Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. We are wrapping up week one, heading into week two, and what a week it's been. A lot of craziness, a lot of big games from rookies, a lot of uh, bad games from veterans. Uh, I don't know, here we go, Mung. Yeah, I uh, I was thinking earlier this morning that uh, it's been very chaos, but uh, it's been a lot of chaos, but as we know, chaos is a ladder, so... Uh, Plenty of opportunity here. Uh, a lot of good waiver wire ads this week. Uh, you know for sure that these waiver ads are great because uh, I am 0 5. <laughs> a really oh poor gosh. start for me, but uh, you know, it, it's not time to panic. Even if you have a good draft, uh, sometimes uh, it just doesn't work out in the first week. So uh, don't, uh, don't give up just yet. It's way too early for that. Um, by the way, Los, we did not have a chance to go through our week one pickums on our last show, but I am currently up 10 to 9 in picks. We both Oof. missed on Chicago, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay. Uh, my only leg up here was taking Buffalo over the Jets. Mm, well, I'll have to make up some ground this week. Yeah, and you know, I was hoping to add another win over you with Arizona as my pick, uh, when, whereas you took Detroit, but uh, that ended up not helping either of us. So, uh, what a crazy week one, huh? Yeah, you know, we've got our first tie, as as you alluded to, and we've got you know just just craziness abounding. Yeah, and uh, a couple scary injuries already. Uh, we'll talk about those at the end of the show as well. But uh, first, let's start with the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. It was a big AFC East showdown to start the year with two second-year quarterbacks duking it out in Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. The Bills trailed for most of the game and never got a rhythm going on offense. However, a stout Buffalo defense kept them in the game, and the Bills finally took the lead late in the fourth quarter with a strike from from Josh Allen to John Brown. Brown more or less carried a floundering Bills offense, finishing the game with seven catches, for 123 yards and the game-winning touchdown, accounting for almost half of the Bills' total receiving yards. Get your close shave like John Brown with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. Yeah, not much Not much feels better than a nice free agent ad or a nice heated blade in your face <laughs> on, on a cold Sunday. <laughs> That's certainly right. There, there was a time where you had to pay somebody else to do it for you in the barbershop, but now uh, you can get that in the comfort of your own home. That's right, and it is comfortable in my own home. Uh, should, I, should I start us on the game previews before we get a little too off the tracks? Yeah, you know what's not comfortable? Watching Jameis Winston. Yeah. Whoa, that is called a segue. And that is how we will start our Thursday night this week. Tampa Bay rolls into or stumbles into Carolina for an NFC South showdown. It's back to the drawing board for Bruce Arians right now. Jameis Winston looked bad. I'm talking sub 200 yards and three interceptions bad. As we've seen with Winston, he can bounce back and throw for 400 yards and four scores in the next week. But I want to see it happen first this year before starting him. Uh, prove it first to me, Jameis. Chris Godwin was held to three catches on six targets, six targets, 53 yards and a touchdown. And Mike Evans had only two catches, 28 yards on five targets, but he did have that late-noticed illness heading into the week. He's having a lot of trouble catching his breath. He did not look himself this week. 
Uh, O.J. Howard did look himself, only managing four of five for 32 yards, um, continuing his role as the most overhyped tight end of all time, in my opinion. The running backs were led by Ronald Jones, 13 carries, 75 yards, and a catch to Peyton Barber's eight for 33 and two catches. I don't want to start either of them for now, and Dari Agbanawale did lead the backfield with five targets, four catches. Um, for now, Evans and Godwin looked like wide receiver twos at best with James Winston at the helm. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Evans was having trouble breathing because there's an overwhelming stench of uh, just Jameis Winston stinking. Oh my gosh, it made it all the way to the uh, sideline, huh? <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, just, 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 it was uncomfortable. Like literally watching Winston, uh, there, there wasn't any W's being eaten uh, in Ooh. Tampa Bay. But uh, you know, in, in a normal one quarterback format, I don't know how you can justify starting Winston in Week Two. Uh, you know, Carolina's defense is certainly far from elite, but the Niners' defense is probably below league average, and look at what they did. I just, I still maintain that Winston's going to be a backup in this league sooner rather than later. I don't know if Bruce Arians is going to be able to quote-unquote fix that. Um, as for the running backs, Ronald Jones looked the best on the ground, but as you said, it's going to be an ugly committee to avoid for the most part. I have Jones as a low-end RB3 or flex. Uh, slightly over Barber, and then Ogunbowale is still going to be avoided. Uh, you know, he's getting those PPR touches, but how much is that going to be worth, especially with Luke Keekley there to, you know, stop any yards after the catch? Um, and OJ Howard, I, I think he's still a low-end tight end one this week. Uh, he's got an okay matchup here against the Panthers, but for now, it certainly doesn't look like any tight end, especially not Howard, is ready to enter that conversation of stepping into the same tier as Kelsey or Kittle. And then... And Howard's fumble sure didn't help the cause there. Uh, you know, not in the box score is the fact that Cameron Brait had two touchdowns called back due to penalties. So clearly Brait is still going to be in there to vulture touchdowns. We know how much Winston loves Brait in the red zone. And then as for the wide receivers, look, I have Evans in a few spots. It was just gut-wrenching to watch. Uh, but apparently, you know, Evans took himself out of the game multiple times due to that stomach flu or illness that he had. Um, hopefully he'll be more hydrated, get better, uh, just a 24-48 hour flu kind of thing. Uh, I still have him as a wide receiver one, albeit a low-end wide receiver one this week, and I've got Godwin as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three range. Um, but am I wrong here saying that maybe Evans, Godwin, Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones, O.J. Howard, this could all be fixed if uh, maybe the Bucks just trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. Uh, just ask Miami how that worked out for three quarters. Um, Jameis Winston, I think he'll be okay. I mean, there's not, there isn't a backup to him this season, so he's going to get every single chance that there is. He's going to have stinkers of games, but um, he will have some really good ones too. I mean, he is, you know, he is like, he. I don't know. I'm done talking about Jameis Winston. I've got a very similar situation on the other side with uh, with Cam Newton, a guy that uh, I'm looking to drop right now and pick up another quarterback, although I'm really tempted to just hang on for this Tampa Bay week and just see if he can beat up that defense. Carolina gets the short week to prepare for Tampa. They should spend most of their week um, running the corners through wide receiver drills because Winston will throw to them early and often. Cam was legitimately bad, 240 yards and two turnovers this week. He should be fine here, but... I might veer away until he looks better. Um, the matchup doesn't scare me unless worse news comes out about his foot. Uh, Tampa's just bad. 
you know, but he should have been better this last week, too. I don't know. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a great week on the other hand, 19 carries, 130 yards, two touchdowns, plus 10 catches for 81, earning his well-deserved early first round pick status. DJ Moore's a back end wide receiver two this week after seven of 10 for 76. He should not fumble the ball twice this week. And Curtis Samuel Samuel is a decent upside flex play in my opinion, a little underutilized this past week, but should be fine here. Greg Olson went four of nine for 36. He saw the targets, but he is firmly outside starting territory for me. Uh, you know, I wouldn't go as far as dropping Cam just yet, uh, but certainly it's concerning. Uh, you know, he's never been the most accurate passer, but the thing that's always kept him as an elite fantasy quarterback was the rushing production. Um, so the problem here is he had that shoulder injury last year. They don't really want him to take those kind of chances at this point. Uh, and without the rushes, he had negative two rushing yards. Um, the upside just isn't there for Newton and, and really it was evident on that one play near the goal line where they had Christian McCaffrey take the snap. They had Newton at, at running back and then it was a designed run for McCaffrey. So without those rushing touchdowns and those rushing yards, even 40, 50 a game, Cam drops to what a back end quarterback one. If he's just passing, uh, obviously he's got good weapons, but uh, that just, that's not really enough to make him a top five fantasy option anymore. Um, as for the wide receivers here, uh, we're agreed on more as a back end wide receiver too. I've got Samuel as a flex play this week uh, in a good matchup against the Buccaneers secondary here. Uh, but as for Greg Olson, I think it depends on your options at tight end here. Olson was third in targets behind McCaffrey and more. So I still like him as a high end tight end too here. Um, and much like Cameron Brait, uh, you know, George Kittle had two touchdowns called back due to penalty against Tampa Bay. So the touchdown upside is there for Olsen, even though he's nowhere near uh, com- comparable to Kittle at this point in his career. I could still see him scoring uh, in week two here. And of course, you're starting McCaffrey, uh, even though Newton had a tough day. McCaffrey still was a, just a stud. And then this Bucks defense should be a much easier matchup than Aaron Donald and the Rams defensive line. Um, you know, I have Newton as a high end QB two this week for fantasy only, but I will still take the Panthers at home. I will take the Panthers at home as well. Kicking off our Sunday noon, one Eastern time game, San Francisco at Cincinnati got off to a slow start for the season for Jimmy Garoppolo as the defense carried the team to a win behind two pick six touchdowns. I'd hold off on Jimmy until he starts to look right. Uh, This whole offense is off as Breida and Coleman both got banged up, a concussion and a high ankle sprain, and Raheem Mostert was on the field for a decent amount of touches. The projection here really depends on the injury report this week, but these guys, Breida and Coleman, are showing the inherent injury risk that they carry. I wouldn't necessarily, um, well, actually, I would go rushing to add Mostert with the with the news that came out on Tevin Coleman today. Um, He should definitely have running back two upside with further seal, uh, you know, with a running back one ceiling. Uh, Kittle had 10 targets despite a modest day. He had two touchdowns called back by penalties and no wide receiver top three targets. Uh, there's nothing to start out of the uh, wide receiver core here for now, but the team does have eventual upside as the season goes. Yeah, I, I would not run out to add Mostert. Um, it, it sounds like Tevin Coleman's going to be out a few weeks with a high ankle sprain, but at the same time, uh, you know, as long as Breda's there, uh, and who knows, maybe Breda will go down as well. He certainly had a lot of injury issues, but uh, I just don't see Mostert as more than a short-term solution. Uh, you know, for right now, this week, I have 
assuming that Breda plays and Coleman is indeed out, I would have Breda as a low end running back two and Mostert as a flex play. Um, and then outside of that, I don't have a whole lot to add about the Niners here. I'm just hoping that this first game was Garoppolo shaking off the rust because I do still have faith that Shanahan can lead a good offense. Um, but that said, I don't know how you could risk starting Garoppolo this week. Uh, uh, it's just, it, it's sad to see. Hopefully uh, he'll, he'll get that confidence back. Um, and, you know, Kittle, uh, I mentioned uh, he did have those two touchdowns called back, but uh, oh well, uh, you're certainly not benching Kittle. Still a top two elite tight end option going into week two. And then it was baffling that Dante Pettis played two snaps. Uh, so even though Debo Samuel and uh, Marquise Goodwin weren't great from a fantasy perspective, they did play uh, a majority of the snaps. So if I had to stash one in a deeper league, it would probably be Samuel. Cincinnati almost pulled off the road upset in Seattle. Andy Dalton had a career-high 418 yards, and John Ross went nuts for seven catches, 158 yards, and two touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, by comparison, was only 8 of 11 for 60, respectable in its own right, though. And Joe Mixon was pulled with an injury. San Francisco does not have anybody that can keep up with John Ross on defense. And in deep leagues or desperate flexes, I'd say start him again this week. Uh, Mixon may miss this week, which will mean a bunch of passes from Andy Dalton, possibly another 50 like this week. Boyd is a high floor wide receiver three, but does not have that boom bust upside like John Ross. Tyler Eifert did make a healthy appearance for five uh, five catches, um, six yards from, or no, five catches on six targets from Meager. 27 yards as well. And keep an eye out uh, on the Mixon injury report. Uh, possibly some value in Giovanni Bernard on the waiver wire. Yeah, um, pour one out for the Legion of Boom. Uh, certainly no more. <laughs> uh, you know, when Andy Dalton throws for 400 yards on you, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's pretty scary. Um, I, I don't hate Dalton this week again as a high upside QB2 if you're streaming. Uh, as you said, Mixon sounds like he's day-to-day with the ankle sprain, so that's something to monitor. If he does play, he'd still be a high-end running back, too. And if he's out, Giovanni Bernard was basically a workhorse back after Mixon left the game, so he would be a mid-level running back, too, with upside. Uh, agree with you on the wide receivers here. Tyler Boyd is a, is a safer, high-end wide receiver three, but at the same time, John Ross is a boomer bust flex option here. Uh, you know, finally they got rid of Marvin Lewis, and Zach Taylor seems to be drawing up plays that kind of scheme his players open and work to their strengths. So this is something that uh, bears monitoring because Ross might finally get utilized how he should. And then San Francisco's secondary, certainly not scary here. Uh, just interesting to note with the tight ends that CJ Uzelma actually looked way better. And Eifert, uh, I think those injuries have just started sapping away at Eifert's, you know, speed, his athleticism here, and Uzoma just looks better at this point. Uh, of course, neither is getting enough targets to be ranked as a tight end one, but, you know, if you don't think Eifert can stay healthy, uh, if he were to miss time, I think Uzoma would be an interesting option at tight end if he were to play more snaps. Um, all that being said, uh, I think this is, this will be a close one, but give me the Bengals at home. Yeah, this was one of the more difficult ones to be sure about, but I think Cincinnati ekes this one out at home as well. Uh, The L.A. Chargers go to Detroit. The Chargers opened with a home win and a great offensive day. Three touchdowns, 330 yards for Phillip Rivers, who is a solid quarterback two most weeks. Should be a decent choice here versus Detroit in Superflex leagues or two quarterback leagues. 
Melvin Gordon was the big loser here with Austin Eckler going 12 carries, 58 yards and touchdown, adding six catches, 96 yards and two touchdowns on top of that. And Justin Jackson was solid himself with six uh, carries for 57 yards plus one catch. Austin Eckler will continue as a solid running back, too, for now. And Jackson is a must-own, but hold on starting for now. Hunter Henry took a bit to get rolling, but gave a solid um, four for 60. And Mike Williams left the game with an injury, which will need monitoring. Uh, Hunter Henry really didn't get anything going until Mike Williams left the game, which is relevant for his value. Keenan Allen had a great, great catch for a deep touchdown on top of 8 of 10 for 123. Uh, Melvin Gordon just may take the money and come back to the team because these running backs are making his prior production replaceable. Uh, The best thing for him to do is get back on the field as soon as possible so that teams still want him. Yeah, I, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen with Gordon at this point because it sounds like there's very little interest in trading for him from other teams. Uh, And at the same time, though, uh, you know, is he really going to kind of tuck his tail and come back? I don't see that happening either. And yeah, uh, I just don't know what's going on with the situation, but for the time being, uh, I like Austin Eckler a lot. He it looks like he's getting, you know, more than half the workload, uh, close to 60, 70 percent, uh, and Jackson getting the rest. Uh, and Eckler's been super efficient. So even though I'm not sure his touchdown rate continues on such few touches, he is a high end running back too. Uh, Jackson, more of a boomer bust flex play. Uh, like you said, probably not a safe start unless you're desperate in a deeper league. But Jackson does have touchdown upside in what should be a pretty close game in Detroit. And then Rivers, I do like him as well. I've got him as a high-end quarterback two, maybe even a low-end quarterback one this week. Of course, you're starting Keenan Allen. He's a fine low-end wide receiver one option. And even if Mike Williams does play with the knee injury, he may not be 100% here. I'd probably avoid him until we see him actually uh, practice fully, uh, you know, seem fully healthy. And until then, as you said, Hunter Henry does seem to be soaking up a lot of the targets left behind. And he should be a fine mid-range tight end one this week if Williams is out. And he'd still be a back-end tight end one even if Williams does play. Yeah, Mike Williams probably draws a fair bit of Darius Slay if he does suit up and is healthy. Um, Detroit uh, delivered the first high of the season. With versus Arizona. Stafford was actually pretty good, but the Arizona defense is abysmal. Uh, I would try to avoid most of these guys if possible. Carrion Johnson shared carries 16, 16, 1-6 to 11 with C.J. Anderson and split passing downs with J.D. McKissick. He is a fantasy darling. We all love him, and I think he is hugely talented. But the truth is, he's just a running back, too, at best, because of the way this offense is run with Matt Patricia. His upside is limited by the timeshares and the lack of offensive upside on the team. Jones and Galladay are low-end wide receiver twos or upside wide receiver threes, depending on your perspective. And Danny Amendola actually led the team in targets, which I wouldn't necessarily rush to add him. But keep in the, uh, keep in the back of your mind in PPR leagues because Stafford always loved his slot wide receiver, Golden Tate. And that's what Danny Amendola is now. And Matt Patricia, of course, loves Danny Amendola from his days with uh, New England. So, I mean, he's probably a guy who should be rostered. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was probably the story of this offense, though. Six catches on nine targets, 131 yards and a touchdown. Very nice debut for the rookie. But again, this is the worst defense in football. Not counting Miami, I guess. This is the worst defense in the NFC. Don't waste all your fab rushing for the tight end uh, rookie. Sure, I definitely agree on not breaking the bank for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he could be worth a pickup if you're struggling at tight end. 
Uh, it seems that at least Stafford is willing to use him as a receiver early on. We talked in our preseason show, though, about how rookie tight ends rarely produce, even if he set a record. So it's still wise uh, wise not to raise expectations too much for Hawkinson here. Um, I'd probably avoid Stafford as just a mid-range quarterback, too, this week. Uh, as you said, uh, the Cardinals' defense is one of the worst in the league, and the Chargers is uh, probably top 10, especially with their strong secondary. So, um, you know, with Carrion Johnson, the concern all offseason was that he's just the lead back in a committee. Uh, you know, I had a lot of conversations with uh, fellow Dynasty players in the offseason, and I think that he was being overvalued a little bit. C.J. Anderson clearly is going to be involved plenty on the ground. And then uh, the, the late ad of uh, J.D. McKissick, we all thought that maybe Carrion got a few more passing game targets with Theo Riddick gone, but uh, McKissick seems to have stepped right into Riddick's shoes here. Uh, I've got Carrion as a low-end running back, too, uh, although he does have a huge ceiling this week after Marlon Mack carved up the Chargers on the ground. Their run defense was a big weakness last year, and it doesn't sound like much has changed to start this season. As for the wide receivers, I like Galladay and Jones both. Uh, they put up similar stat lines against Arizona outside of the touchdown for Galladay, but don't be fooled. Uh, Galladay had nine targets to Jones' four in week one, so I much prefer Galladay as a boomer bust wide receiver too, and Jones is just a flex play. Um, you mentioned Amendola. I do think that he'll be an outlet in the slot, but personally I don't think that he'll be reliable in fantasy. Um, I, I have him as just a wide receiver four or wide receiver five. And then both of these teams have trouble closing out games, uh, as evidenced by that near comeback by the Colts, uh, as well as the overtime tie in Arizona. So even on the road, uh, I'm going to lean the Chargers, given their much better roster on paper. Oh, yeah, I don't think this one's going to be close. I think the Chargers had trouble with Indianapolis, but Indianapolis may have the very best line in the league right now. A lot of people thought that Andrew Luck, I mean, losing Andrew Luck is huge, obviously, but Marlon Mack is a better running back than a lot of people give him credit for, and as evidenced by 175 rushing yards. We'll talk about the, the Indy later, but basically my point is that I think the Chargers take this by at least a, at least a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. I definitely think they win. Yep. All right, Minnesota at Green Bay, NFC North showdown. Minnesota opened their season with a home win versus Atlanta, despite a ludicrous line for Kirk Cousins. When we thought we'd see a more run-heavy team, I don't think anybody was imagining a 10-pass attempt day for Kirk Cousins. That's right, eight, eight, uh, eight completions on 10 attempts for 98 yards and a touchdown. Granted, the Falcons also didn't score until the fourth quarter, which allowed Minnesota to dominate the clock with 21 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns for Dalvin Cook, and nine carries for 49 yards for Alexander Medicine, the rookie. Thielen and Diggs combined for, th uh, combined for three for 43 and a touchdown, and two for 37. We knew Diggs was not up to, up to par heading into the game, should have been a uh, should have been a cue to put him on the bench. Not exactly what you were looking for from either of those guys. Uh, I'm expecting more from the pass game this week against Green Bay on the road. Both should be solid wide receiver twos, but I would hold off on Kirk Cousins for now. Yeah, I, I think if Pete Carroll were to find a magic lamp tomorrow, uh, his first wish would be that he got traded to Minnesota because this is basically his dream of <laughs> how he wants to run a team. Um, 
certainly a run-heavy game script here uh, in week one. And a seemingly better Green Bay defense, though, makes Cousins just a low-end quarterback, too, this week. Um, that, with the fewer passing attempts, I'd avoid him in most one-quarterback formats. Uh, even though I'm still somewhat concerned about the Vikings' offensive line, uh, they're facing a revitalized Packers defensive line here that gave the Bears a lot of trouble in Week 1. Uh, but there's just no way you can bench Dalvin Cook. He's a locked-in mid-range running back one this week. Um, but on the other hand, I am somewhat concerned about Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Both of these guys are talented, but they may be more boomer bust than fantasy owners who drafted them in the third round this year wanted them to be. Clearly, the Vikings want to be very run-heavy, and it's going to limit both of these wide receivers' ceilings week to week. Uh, for now, in week two, I have Thielen as a mid-range wide receiver two and Diggs as a low-end wide receiver two. Uh, as for the tight ends, I don't know how you can trust Kyle Rudolph after that zero he put up. Uh, maybe he'll get 50 touchdown or 50 yards and a oh. touchdown, <laughs> not 50 touchdowns. Um, but uh, even if he does score this week, it'll probably be on my bench. Uh, he's a low end tight end too. The main reason I'm still okay with Diggs is because he should be covered by the the oldest defender in the league right now. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he is the oldest defensive back in the league on the Green Bay Packers. Um, as for the Packers, well, uh, the Bears held Green Bay to 10 points, Rodgers to 200 yards and a touchdown. The Pack is at home now. Uh, you're obviously starting Aaron Rodgers and um, Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones may have a limited week as well, but I'd start him at home with running back two confidence against the Minnesota line, who is almost as uh almost as devouring as the Chicago Bears defense. He appears to be the lead back despite some work for Jamal Williams. I think that a lot, had a lot to do with uh, just giving him a break from getting his butt beat in by uh, by the Chicago defense. Graham is a tight end, a touchdown dependent tight end two or back end one. Up to you, depending on whatever you want to do with him. Um, I have no confidence in him from week to week. Just three catches despite the touchdown. Um, if And look to see if we develop a pattern here with uh, – I'm VS, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling dominating uh, Geronimo Ellison in target share. Six targets to zero this past week. That could have just been scheme-dependent against the Bears. If this continues, this would make Ellison a definite drop. He's borderline a drop right now. Um, if you need room, I'd go ahead and drop him because nobody's going to add him after a zero-target week. Um, but it may be a little closer between him and uh, MVS. I do think that one of them is going to develop, like, Every week, wide receiver three or better appeal as the uh, as the season goes on, though. Uh, I'm probably going to lean Valdez Scantling as well if we're picking yeah. between those two guys. But I, th I think overall, you're more confident in Green Bay than I am. Um, I've never been a quote always starter studs guy, uh, and honestly, <laughs> I, I'm not even sure that Rodgers is an elite fantasy quarterback right now until we see a little bit more. Um, especially not this week against a tough Minnesota defense that shut down. Atlanta and Atlanta's not a pushover offense. They, uh, they're pretty good here. So I am a little concerned about Rodgers, just a low end QB one for me this week. Uh, the upside is certainly still there for him at home in Lambeau, uh, but I wouldn't hesitate to consider benching him for better options. Likewise, Aaron Jones, I have just as a mid range running back three or flex play. Um, oh. We saw Devontae Freeman really struggle against Minnesota, and I'm not sure that the Packers offensive line is that much better than Atlanta's. So uh, really, you probably can't bench Devontae Adams you, unless you have some crazy good options at wide receiver. But again, I do have him downgraded to a low-end wide receiver one this week. Uh, and we were talking about Allison and Valdez-Scantling. I have Scantling 
as a low-end flex play if you want to roll the dice uh, here against the Vikings. And then, really, Allison, we need to see a little bit more. You don't have to drop him in deeper leagues, but just a desperation wide receiver for this week. Um, and as you said, really, Graham's in that range of tight end two that, you know, maybe he's the outlet in this tough matchup, but just a boomer bust tight end two depending on whether or not he scores again. And I know it's only been one week, but Minnesota just looked really dominant in week one. Um, unless they can really get after Cousins with the offensive line still struggling a little bit. Uh, I think this will be a close game, but I'm going to take the Vikings on the road. Sadly, I will be supporting the Packers at home. All right. Uh, Indianapolis at Tennessee. The Colts lost on the road to the Chargers. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was actually fine, but certainly not start-worthy. Marlon Mack actually dominated the running back touches despite the team being down most of the game here. He should hold his value as a rock-solid running back, too. 25 carries, 175 yards, and a touchdown. I would not expect those kind of totals most weeks, but he did finish very, very strong last year. Uh, T.Y. Hilton showed the best connection with Brissett that we've seen between the two, despite the good Chargers secondary, and he may not be dropping off as much as we thought he would with luck gone. Eight catches, nine targets, 87 yards, and two touchdowns. High-end wide receiver, two here in Tennessee, despite Tennessee's good defense. The rest of the team, well, uh, let's consider them a two-player team for fantasy. I, I don't see Ebron or Doyle establishing themselves here. And with uh, solid young options out there with like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller, I would turn another way to fill my tight end hole right now. Mm, I, I don't hate Ebron here. Um, you know, especially with Devin Funches out for six to eight weeks with a broken collarbone. Uh, for me, it doesn't make Ebron a surefire tight end one, but I think it could bump up his red zone targets a bit. Uh, and remember, Ebron did have a touchdown called back where he was bobbling the ball a little bit and just out of bounds. So um, things would look a lot different if he had scored there against the Chargers. So I do still like Ebron as a high-end tight end two option this week. Um, certainly a little touchdown dependent here, but um, I, I don't hate him. And then Tennessee's defense is pretty legit. You know, it looked like the Browns, uh, everybody favored the Browns in week one, but um, they shut that down real quick, and even though the Colts' offensive line is much better than Cleveland's, I think this is still going to be a pretty low-scoring game. Uh, more defense than offense from both teams here. I agree that I like Hilton as a high-end wide receiver, too. Um, I also like Marlon Mack quite a bit as a high-end running back, too, even though the Browns struggled to score against the Titans. We did see Nick Chubb run for 75 yards. Would have had a touchdown, too, if he if he hadn't gotten vultured. So I could still see Mack with 100 yards and a touchdown here. Um, like him quite a bit. And then finally, for deeper leagues or in dynasty leagues, keep an eye on how Deion Kane and Paris Campbell do this week. Uh, one of these young wide receivers could be the next Marquise Brown of week two. The Titans got off to a nice start against the Browns, pulling off a surprising victory. Could lightning strike twice here? Uh, they have a nice defense that should be a fun matchup against the Indianapolis great offensive line. Uh, I'd like to give them a little more time before I go in, I'll go all in on the Titans, though. Mariota is a risky quarterback, too. Rookie A.J. Brown converted three catches on four targets for 100 yards to Corey Davis's zero catches on three targets. Uh, no other wide receiver top two targets here, and three or four are nothing startable for now. Uh, three or four targets are nothing startable. Delaney Walker will be a nice play at tight end as long as he's healthy. Five catches on six targets, 55 yards, and two touchdowns this week. 
though Cleveland is notoriously bad against the tight end. The all-important running back split found Derrick Henry getting 19 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown, plus one catch for a ridiculous 75-yard touchdown run. Do not expect many, if any more, of those, while Deion Lewis only saw three carries and four targets with the team leading all game. Henry is a back-end running back, too, this week, and Lewis remains on the waiver wire for me. Yep, I uh, I like Henry as well as a running back, too, low-end here. Uh, the, the offense is really running through him right now. Um, you know, they promised that they were going to use him more, and so far uh, they've stayed true to their word here. The only other tenant, t- t- oh my gosh, I can't talk right now. Uh, the only other t- 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 Tennessee player I'd be comfortable <laughs> starting would be Delaney Walker. Uh, he missed most of the last season, but now that Walker's back, he's clearly still Mariota's go-to guy. Um, I've got Walker as a mid-range tight end one. He was a steal at his ADP if he keeps this up, uh, and even though he might not score two touchdowns here, Walker could easily lead the Titans in receiving again this week. Um, AJ Brown is a w- desperation wide receiver for, uh, you know, I, I don't believe it just yet, but certainly, uh, he's looked really good as a rookie coming in. I would not drop Corey Davis just yet, but if he's got another performance in week two, like he did last week, it, it might be time to free up that roster spot. Um, I believe in the Titans defense, but I do think that the Colts will be able to do enough on offense to complement their own strong defense, uh, and take this game on the road. Give me Indianapolis. I will take the Colts as well here. Uh, New England at Miami, the Patriots spanked the Steelers very hard. And the offense will be unfair when Antonio Brown gets to town. Uh, Tom Brady has skyrocketed into fantasy relevance again, and he is a locked-in quarterback one. Bill Belichick is not a man who takes his foot off the gas, especially in divisional games. So A.B., Gordon, and, and Edelman all have tons of upside here. Honest. Honest potential for three wide receiver ones this week. I know that's nuts, but, I mean, I've seen weirder things happen. Uh, The Pittsburgh game provided a not-so-subtle reminder that Belichick has total disdain for your fantasy roster, featuring an 8-for-44 and 5-catch day for Rex Burkhead to Sony Michelle's 15 carries and only 14 yards and James White's 4 carries for 26 with 5 catches. Now, Sony Michelle should be a fine running back, too, in Miami here. Don't go hitting the panic button. James White always has PPR upside. I'm not really sure what to do with Rex Burkhead, so I'm just pretending he doesn't exist. Yeah, um, I'm not kidding when I say that this week uh, I'm probably going to have a couple of DFS lineups where I stack every single Patriots player. Sure. Um, After what we saw Lamar Jackson do uh, against this Dolphins' lack of defense— uh, Brady's a locked-in top-five quarterback. Uh, despite the fact that Michelle is awful week one, he's still a low-end running back two with immense upside in this matchup. Uh, James White I've got as a mid-range RB3 or flex play. Burkhead even as a desperation low-end flex who could punch in a short touchdown. Uh, assuming Antonio Brown suits up this week, he's a low-end wide receiver one only because I want to see if he's going to get used right off the bat. Um, Edelman I've got as a mid-range wide receiver two. Josh Gordon, low-end wide receiver, too. Uh, oh, and the Patriots' defense is a top-three fantasy defense this week. Uh, they're owned in the majority of leagues, and so they're not going to be on our waiver wire section, but they should be a top fantasy defense this week and for the rest of the season. Miami is as bad as advertised. Uh, Fitzpatrick was actually all right, um, even though he was replaced by Rosen, and Rosen didn't do much. Drake and Bellage combined for nine carries because they were down so far. Uh, Preston Williams, the undrafted rookie, caught a touchdown on three catches, 24 yards. 
And Devontae Parker led the team with three catches on seven targets for 75 yards. If you are desperate already, which I hope you aren't in week two, this team will need to throw and throw and throw. So Devontae Parker does have deep flex value if Fitzpatrick is starting. Uh, He likes his outside receivers quite a bit, if you remember his years in New York and... Tampa and basically everywhere. Um, Only if you're desperate, though. There are also reports coming out that the entire team or any player with any semblance of talent is demanding a trade out of Miami. So this team may look completely different by Sunday, just adding to the New England allure. This is going to be an ugly one. Yeah, but there's also a chance that Chad Ochocinco could be a Miami Dolphin by Sunday because he offered his services after the tweet that uh, a lot of Dolphins players wanted out. So... Where would he rank in your wide receiver rankings? Uh, he would be an immediate wide receiver six. <laughs> you mean the number six wide receiver? Oh, yeah. In uh, in Miami or in, South, <laughs> in Florida. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Devontae Parker is a wide receiver for if you're desperate here. Um, or maybe Kenyon Drake is a very low on flex if you think he's going to have another Hail Mary lateral for 50 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, oh, no, I wouldn't touch him. This is just purely based on, on on passing value. But the New England defense, they are for real for the first time in a while to start the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, they shut down Sean McVay's Super Bowl caliber offense. So I can, uh, it's, I almost, it's almost too not safe for work to describe what they're going to do to this Dolphins offense. Um, and I know, I know New England has had a bad track track record playing at Miami. They always seem to lose in weird ways down in, in South Florida, but, uh, you know, barring some absurd miracle, uh, they're going to win this week. In fact, I'd say that the odds are better that New England will beat Miami by more than Baltimore's 49 point differential than Miami winning here. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, give me New England. I think we've, uh, We've beaten that horse. Uh, Buffalo at the Giants. About what's expected from the Buffalo offense last game. 20 points for Josh Allen's behind two interceptions, a rushing touchdown, and some very death-defying maneuvers out there running. As long as he's healthy, he will be a very ugly but fun to watch and effective play. The backfield is an ugly uh, two-and-a-half to three-handed monster to avoid. But if you have room, I would stash Devin Singletary for later in the season if Gore wears down, which he probably won't. Or more likely, they just start to give the rookie a little more volume. Uh, Cole Beasley has a nice PPR floor, only to be used in 14 team or more. But he should have at least 8 to 9 points in more weeks than not. And John Brown gave us 7 catches on 10 targets, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Looking very nice with uh, with Josh Allen. He is the main play on this team. He's the most talented wide receiver. And he makes uh, Foster and Jones completely irrelevant, despite everybody's hopes for them last season. Yeah, and you know, the the funny thing here is even though the Bills barely eked out a 17 to 16 win against the Jets, the, they're the makings of a good team here. Um per Warren Sharp uh, on Twitter, he's at Sharp Football. Um super smart guy. Buffalo was minus 3 in turnover margin and allowed a return touchdown as well. Such teams have won just 2% of games since 2010. And Buffalo actually had 370 total yards uh, versus the Jets' 223. And the Bills had 23 first downs in that game. And they just didn't manage to score. Um, Even though Allen's had some issues with turnovers, both as a rookie and so far in Week 1, he's got a high floor and a high ceiling due to his rushing production. 
Um, I'm actually shocked at how low he's owned in both ESPN and Yahoo leagues. We're going to be talking about him on our waiver wire section for sure. And if you want a silver lining, um, one of his two interceptions was actually Cole Beasley's fault for letting a very catchable pass bounce out of his hands um, into the hands of C.J. Mosley for the pick six. So uh, as you said, for the running back, Singletary is probably the best option of the three running backs to eventually get more work and be the most productive. But right now it's just a messy committee. Um, Very little fantasy relevance here. Singletary is probably just a desperation flex play if you think he punches in a touchdown or gets a couple long runs in here and of course uh, John Brown our Gillette close shave player of the week Um, he should be owned everywhere he's a weekly wide receiver three with wide receiver one upside and we discussed him uh, as a way undervalued player in our preseason ADP show on the podcast Uh, so here it is real quick word for word if you missed it Uh, Brown hasn't been great in fantasy since 2015 suffered from a recurring hamstring injuries all of 2016, but then he was diagnosed with sickle cell trait. Um, but that is treatable once diagnosed, uh, greatly minimizes his injury risk. And then his 2017 season was awful again with back injuries because he was diagnosed with a cyst on his spine. Um, also a degenerative condition that leads to a ton of issues, but again, another one that once diagnosed and removed via surgery, not a recurring issue. So Last year, Brown was phenomenal, but he and Flacco never got on the same page. And then once Lamar Jackson took over, the passing offense in Baltimore regressed. So it's no surprise that Brown is undervalued here. Um, Remember when I said Josh Allen's rushing upside made him a value pick? Uh, That's a big reason, but Allen also has a cannon for an arm, which we saw on that game-winning touchdown. Um, He and Brown have established great chemistry since camp. Uh, Brown is the clear number one guy in Buffalo, and assuming he's healthy, he's going to crush that 11th round ADP he had. That's all I got. All right. Not much to say about the New York Giants. They were down in the fourth, and they gave Daniel Jones some snaps here, where he completed three passes and lost a fumble on a big hit on a scramble. Welcome to the NFL, buddy. Uh, Saquon Barkley has weekly running back one potential. Evan Ingram had 14 targets as Eli's top target and is a weekly tight end one until further notice. Sterling Shepard is a wide receiver three at best with so many other offenses giving just better scoring opportunity and points scored that I really wouldn't look his way right now. Um, if he we- uh, misses week due to, to, uh, due to his concussion, it would bump up Barkley and Ingram, but probably still not enough to trust any other Giants wide receivers. Yep, you covered the only three uh, fantasy-relevant guys here. Uh, Cody Latimer, Benny Fowler, only interesting for deep leagues. And regardless of whether Shepard plays Week 2, I'd fade all the Giants wide receivers with Buffalo's secondary and pass rush, uh, likely to stifle the passing game here. Barkley and Ingram are the only two guys that you really want to start this week. Um, And then I actually think that the Bills could be a dark horse to be a wild-card playoff team this year. Um, I like that defense a lot, and I think that there could be some Josh Allen magic on the ground, um, sort of like what Lamar Jackson did late in the season last year. So give me Buffalo on the road here with a couple turnovers from Eli to help him out, uh, and we'll talk about the Bills' defense as well as a streaming option during our waiver wire section. Not to put you on the – oh, I'll take Buffalo as well. Not to put you on the spot, but I think I should drop Cam for Josh Allen this week. Yeah, I'd I'd be pretty okay with that because, honestly, like I said, the reason that we liked Cam Newton for years was his rushing potential, and that's exactly what we're getting from Josh Allen. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's just that darn Tampa Bay defense, mate. If he was playing almost anybody else, it would be a it'd be a no brainer. Okay. Well, uh, hold on. Let me clarify here. I think this week only both are decent options, but rest of the season, I think I might rather have Josh Allen. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I he's a sneaky. He was a sneaky pick that I was considering heading in, but he remained undrafted, so so he's yeah, still I'm, there. Yeah, I'm right. shocked. Enough at about that. my league. <laughs> I'm shocked. So he, his ownership percentage is so low. Yep, that's because I mean he's he's not a good NFL quarterback. It's just this sort of broken quarterback system that but makes him such a good play. Guess what? Neither is Cam Newton. Yeah, that, I, that's a fair. It's point. It's all the rushing production. So uh, that, you know, that's a fair point. Yeah. All right, uh, Seattle at Pittsburgh. Seattle vastly underperformed despite the win versus Cincinnati. They were scheduled for uh, on, they were nine point uh, overdogs, not underdogs. What's favorites? Uh, only one by one. <laughs> I like that though. Overdogs. The overdogs. Yeah. Actually, that might be the best way to describe Seattle. Anytime they're playing a vastly inferior opponent, they're overdogs because they're essentially going to lose for three and a half quarters and then eke out a victory. Um, Wilson should be a quarterback one as he plays well when he needs to score against good offenses, which he will have to do versus Pittsburgh. The whole offense was underwhelming, but Chris Carson scored two touchdowns and remains a running back one for me this week. Um, uh, where uh, I would hold off on Rashad Penny expectations for right now. DK Metcalf actually led the wide receivers in targets with six targets, four catches, 89 yards. And he may have some flex value here versus Pittsburgh, but I'm holding him tight on the bench for now. Uh, Tyler Lockett only had one catch for 44-yard touchdown, but that should change going forward. Um, just echoing that crazy efficiency he and uh, Wilson had together last year. This pass attack is just so low volume, but he still manages to complete enough deep passes to make them enticing. I still don't think it's enough consistency for me, and Lockett owners will be burned more often than not this year, I think. Uh, Wilson attempted all of 20 passes in a game that they were down for much of the game, and seven of those pass attempts were to Chris Carson. So not much upside for the, for the uh, wide receivers really. Yeah. I, uh, I really hate that, but uh, you know, despite that, uh, as you said, they probably will need to throw more against a much better Pittsburgh offense. Um, I have Wilson as a low end quarterback one here. Carson is an absolute workhorse this year. Uh, high end running back two for me this week. I still have Lockett in a in that mid range wide receiver two area, but uh, certainly you hope there are more passing targets to go around this week. And then DK Metcalf Metcalf looked really good. Um, Wilson certainly didn't didn't hesitate to target him in those tight window throws. Showed a lot of chemistry downfield as well. He's a mid range wide receiver three or flex play this week, and it wouldn't shock me to see him finish the season as a high end wide receiver three, maybe even more. We'll talk about Metcalf more on the waiver wire section, uh, but that's all I have for Seattle. There's just there's not enough passing targets to go around for Disley or you know Jerron Brown or David Moore when Lockett, Carson, and Metcalf are soaking up all these targets. Yep. And on the other side, we have another year, another season of home versus road Roethlisberger. Expect him to follow up his nine-point road day with a 400-yard game at home, especially against this poor Seattle secondary. The Steelers will play angry, and this is a good week to stream Big Ben. Juju is a wide receiver one, uh, six of eight for 78 this week, but he will not be stopped at home. 
The Steelers seem to be giving the wide receiver two spot an open tryout in season with Moncrief playing horribly, converting 10 targets into just three catches for seven yards. It's a situation to avoid starting for now, but if you have room, my gut says to keep James Washington on deep rosters for now. It's just one week, so don't give up on uh, Vance McDonald just yet. But with just two catches and 40 yards and both coming late in the fourth quarter, um, he's a guy who I'd look elsewhere right now, but just keep him in the back of your mind. He still has upside in this offense. Yes, somewhere in my wildest dreams, I'd love to see, you know, Mike Evans traded to Pittsburgh and, you know, oh, that'd be nice. Um, I think, uh, you know, like you said, I'll echo your sentiments for the most part. Let's not panic on the Steelers here. They were bad, but they faced a Super Bowl defense that shut down Sean McVay in, in February. Um, I, I do think that uh, Big Ben could very well go over 400 yards, just like Andy Dalton. Uh, like I said earlier, the Legion of Boom is dead. And then the only other thing I have to add here is James Conner. He was disappointing as well, but he did dominate the workload in the backfield. Uh, I still have him as a mid-range running back one this week. Uh, I like him quite a bit uh, in a much easier matchup against Seattle than uh, New England week one. So, uh, like I said, uh, I could see a high-scoring game here on both sides, but I do like Pittsburgh to bounce back at home. I think Pittsburgh should win at home as well. Uh, Dallas at Washington. Dak had a phenomenal day versus the Giants. 400 yards and four touchdowns. Should be a quarterback one versus Washington as well. Uh, he always has rushing touchdown risk as well or upside as well. Zeke only got half the running back workload, 13 carries to 13 carries for Pollard. That will change quickly this week. Do not fool yourself into starting Pollard. And I probably wouldn't bother rostering him at this point either, to be honest. He did not look very good. Zeke is back. Zeke does not have much of an injury history. And there's too many better waiver options out at this time of the season. Uh, we got a good week from Amari Cooper, 6 of 9, 6 and a touchdown. Washington is a decent matchup for him as well. He's a wide receiver, too, for me here with upside. And Dak had a ton of support as well uh, from the rest of the team. The team looked really well-oiled. Uh, Michael Gallup put up 158 yards on seven catches. Randall Cobb was useful for four for 70 and a touchdown. And Witten and Jarwin kept the chains moving. I wouldn't start either tight end, but they're doing their job and keeping this offense looking really well. Uh, Gallup is a must-own in all leagues, in my opinion, right now. Um, maybe hold off and starting for right now because uh, I expect a lot more rushing and churning the clock out for Washington. But uh, in some high-scoring potential weeks, I could definitely see slotting Gallup into the flex. Yeah, you know, I think you can start him this week, too. I think he's a high and wide receiver three, a lot of upside. Um, again, this Washington team is not good, and even though they will run the clock a lot uh, if they get up to a lead, um, I, I, you know, how are they going to get up to the lead? By, by throwing to Cooper and Gallup and Cobb. Um, sure. You know, this offense looks really good, just firing on all cylinders with finally a good offensive coordinator. Uh, Kellen Moore looks like he's calling much more creative plays, using a lot more play action. And, of course, uh, it can't be understated how important it is getting Travis Frederick back healthy at center. Um, this offensive line is top five in the league. Um, against Washington, uh, Prescott's a mid-range QB1 for me. Uh, you're starting Zeke, of course. Um, Cooper, I have as a mid-range wide receiver too, who should be more boom than bust this week. Gallup, uh, like I said, wide receiver three. Cobb, uh, if you're desperate, you could do worse in deeper leagues uh, at wide receiver four. And then even Winton, uh, a viable tight end two streamer here. Um, the only thing I'll disagree with you here is Tony Pollard. In deeper leagues, 
Uh, I'd probably still roster him. Uh, I see him as a top five handcuff with running back one upside if Elliott were to miss time. Uh, to your point, he's been fairly healthy in his career, but you never know. Uh, Washington nearly outed many people's Super Bowl pick, narrowly losing 27-32 to the Eagles, leading until the fourth quarter. Case Keenum did have a great day, 380 yards, three touchdowns, but I am not rushing to the waiver wire for him. The Eagles have a known poor secondary, and I don't want to overreact to week one of the NFL season, which for most teams doubled as their preseason games, as no starters played this preseason. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Terry McLaurin led wide receivers with 5 of 7 for 100. 125 yards and a touchdown and Vernon Davis turned back the hands of time for seven catches on or four catches on seven targets 60 yards and a touchdown ridiculous play where he broke three tackles and I'd call it running if he wasn't 40 years old he sort of made his way to the end zone Uh, Paul Richardson tacked on four for 59 the main story heading into the game was AP being a healthy scratch uh, we will need to see how this develops. He may ask for a release. I would if I were him. Uh, Darius Geis only went 10 of 18, 1.8 yards per carry in his debut. And now there's worry about his good knee now becoming his bad knee. Chris Thompson had three carries for 10 yards, adding seven catches for 68 through the air. Uh, supposedly Geis's MRA today on his knee was positive. He's questionable for week two. So the running back situation in Washington is way up in the air. Either way, though, this is not going to be a great offense for fantasy. There was production here, but I am really reluctant to go chasing it. I see a revolving door at the top wide receiver uh, week to week going Clorin, Trey Quinn, Paul Richardson, maybe Kelvin Harmon even, uh, or uh, Kelvin, that's his first name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kelvin Harmon getting in on some action here and there. Just not a team that I really want to go uh, buy in the farm for. Yeah, I think I'm out on Kelvin's after uh, Benjamin, so... Uh... I probably won't. I probably won't roster he, Harmon. He had anymore. a really good season once, so this guy could too. Yeah, once. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a, a quick, somewhat non-fantasy note on Vernon Davis. Uh, I believe it was reported that his grandfather had just died um, the day oh. prior or something. Um, so he was certainly very emotional on the sidelines after scoring that touchdown. Uh, but also maybe something to note for fantasy, uh, just big life events in players, I, and hopefully not sad like that, but I remember when T.Y. Hilton had his son or his kid uh, the day after he had like 200 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Um, so I don't know, maybe just something to keep in mind for DFS or prop bets uh, going forward. Um, certainly that emotional factor is in play for motivation purposes. I think in the backfield, though, uh, Chris Thompson's probably the best bet in PPR as long as he's healthy, uh, regardless of what's happening with Geis and Adrian Peterson. Uh, he's the third down guy, so uh, we'll see what happens when this team trails a lot, uh, likely a lot of short check down targets for Thompson, uh, especially with Case Keenum in town. Um, we'll see what happens with Geis's knee. If he's good to go, I'd have Thompson over Geis as a flex play. Uh, if Geis is out, I'd have Thompson over Peterson as a flex play. So either way, I prefer Thompson uh, out of those three. Uh, he's a guy we'll talk about a little bit on the waiver wire section as well. And as you said, uh, none of these wide receivers are probably going to be reliable, but McLaurin probably will have the highest upside. Um, he tested very well athletically, and then uh, if you heard that one interview in the preseason, he certainly knows his stuff uh, in terms of the playbook and how quarterbacks think and operate. So Again, uh, he would be my target here. And then Davis has a little bit of upside as long as Reed is out, but I don't finish 
or I don't see either him or Reed finishing as a tight end one this week against Dallas's excellent, excellent linebackers. Um, Agreed. Yeah, I, I will take Dallas on the road. I too will take Dallas on the road. Arizona at Baltimore, a team I will not take on the road. The Cardinals were part of the first tie of 2019, but they will be smashed, dashed, and destroyed here in Baltimore. They will get run out of the East Coast and, and go back home whimpering or whatever it is that Cardinals do when you beat them too badly. Uh, the debut of the Air Raid offense did feature 80-plus plays. Uh, Kingsbury just didn't mention that he was going to take five quarters to do it in. David Johnson is a low-end running back one here. Definitely has the upside in the passing game. Um, don't get me wrong. When I say low-end, I, I, I do really like David Johnson. Um, I don't foresee much opportunity for growth versus the Ravens for this offense, though. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is the go-to target for the time being, and I'd avoid the rookies and sophomores here. Uh, Christian Kirk will develop and did have 12 targets to Larry's 13. Um, he has the flex upside, and uh, Larry has the flex upside in PPR due to numbers. No, sorry. Kirk has the flex upside in PPR due to numbers, and Larry has the upside of the veteran player in slot portions of the field, which is great for uh, Kyler Murray. He is at worst a PPR wide receiver three, and I'd avoid the rookie Kyler Murray here versus Baltimore. He is about to get taken to school and find out what that's all about. Yeah, it's a, it's a battle of the birds here. Um, Cardinals Kaka! against the Ravens. Uh, you know, I remember we talked about a little bit of fun facts about Cardinals last year, so I have one more for we you. We did. <laughs> um, you know, they actually, both males and females can sing. And uh, when they sing, the syllables can sound like the bird is singing cheer, 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 or birdie, birdie, birdie. Oh, that's cute. Um, but unfortunately, Cardinals can't sing when they're dead. So this week, yeah. uh, they won't be singing at all. Um, <laughs> I agree that David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald are probably the only reliable fantasy starters this week. Um, I understand Christian Kirk had more air yards, uh, a lot of targets here, but... Fitzgerald's still the guy coming up with the clutch plays here. I have Johnson as a low-end running back one. It was encouraging to see him much more involved in the passing game in the second half. Um, Fitzgerald's a wide receiver three or flex with upside for me, um, although I'd probably temper expectations against this Ravens defense. And then I do think there's interesting things abound for Christian Kirk and Keyshawn Johnson in deeper leagues. Um, this Cardinals offense does have the potential to air it out against weaker defenses, but again, this week I would probably fade all those guys. Baltimore just hung 59 points on Miami behind 324 yards and five touchdowns from Lamar Jackson. Uh, they get a near as near a bad defensive matchup here, and Lamar Jackson should be a locked-in solid quarterback one. The running back workload went as follows, 14 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns for Mark Ingram, to 17 carries, 56 yards for uh, the Gus Bus, and uh, uh, seven carries, 27 yards for Justice Hill. The vast majority of the Hill and Edwards carries did come in the fourth quarter, though, when the game was way, way, way out of hand. Ingram is locked in running back one for this week, though that may change as the season progresses. Uh, Gus Edwards should probably be owned in all leagues this week. He has a decent chance for more fourth quarter production here and is a decent flex option against this poorest defense. Uh, there were a lot of scattered points here, but the main notes were Mark Andrews, who was a sleeper tight end heading into the season, hauling in eight catches on eight targets, 106 yards and a touchdown. Definitely worth a start here against Arizona and Hollywood Brown four catches 147 yards and two touchdowns um, people will be tempted to run to the waiver wire on that he was only in for 12 snaps this game which really 
begs me to caution um, before I go throwing, you know, $50 down on of your fab or heck, even $15 of your fab down. I, I don't think I'd necessarily go rushing to get them, sort of let other people fight for them. Um, it's hard to bench a line like that, but, you know, it, it's not consistent for right now. You know, I, I would not spend $50 in fab, but I would spend 15 Um Ooh. I think we're going to disagree here on Marquise Brown, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Because I yep. think that he is one of those rare buy-high candidates. Uh, the Ravens have another phenomenal matchup this week, as you said, against an awful Cardinal secondary. <laughs> then after that, this in week three, Baltimore plays at Kansas City. That's going to be another soft secondary with shootout potential. Um, there really aren't any super tough defenses that I put in the top 10 until after Baltimore's week eight bye week. So even though Brown only played 14 snaps, ran eight routes here, uh, I attribute that low usage uh, likely because Baltimore knew that they were going to blow out Miami here. They wanted to make sure that Brown didn't overdo it in week one, risk re-injuring that foot that he had surgery on back in January. Um, As you recall, he was recovering from that all preseason, uh, got that slow start in training camp and preseason. So I do think that Brown has a very good chance to start the year off hot, Uh, Much like a rookie receiver last year, if you recall, Calvin Ridley had a huge, huge first half of the year. Um, I think this is a replicated situation much like that. Brown is a rookie wide receiver on a good offense with an easy schedule to start the year, and he could definitely start off red hot. I'd be sending some trade offers for Brown if the owner in your league thinks this was a fluke, or as I said, I would bet uh, you know, 15 to $20 of your fab budget for him. I think he could win you weeks early on in the year. As for, All right. Um, yeah, oh, go sorry. ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, no, no I'm so, I was just going to give my pick. I'm sorry. Oh, you, well, you, I mean, you, I think, going. I think I already know your pick. I think we agree on Baltimore. Um, Oh yeah. Big time. But yeah, I mean, I didn't want to, you know, I just wanted to reiterate how much I like Marquise Brown for this first stretch of the season. Uh, even if he does, you know, kind of, uh, slow down after week four, or week five, uh, after a red hot first three games, which he very well could have, uh, even if you just try and sell high at that point, he's worth that 15 to 20% fad bit. Um, the other players here, of course, you're starting Jackson uh, and Ingram uh, and, you know, Mark Andrews is a good low end tight end one option as well. Uh, the other thing is I will note that, as you said, Gus Edwards was far more involved than Justice Hill, even though everybody loves the big play upside with Hill. I do think that Edwards would probably be the 1A to Hill's 1B if Ingram were to miss time here. So just something to monitor as a you know handcuff situation if Ingram were to miss time. I'll take Baltimore, uh, as are you, I, I believe. Yes, sir. Jacksonville at Houston. Nick Foles is done for the se- or for now, at least, for at least half the season with a broken collarbone, leading um, Minshew II uh, at the helm here. Thankfully, at least in my opinion, Foles was not that much greater than replacement level of a quarterback, uh, not much better than a backup, and the offense should not suffer all that much. Uh, we weren't expecting a ton to begin with, And actually, uh, Minshew started his NFL career with 11 straight completions. If Leonard Fournette can get through the practice week without pulling a hammy, he's a running back one against the poorest Houston rush defense. DD is a wide receiver three, in my opinion, for now. And uh, Chark should probably be owned in deeper leagues. There is potential here, but I want to let it clarify itself before tying my season to Jacksonville and an unknown quarterback situation. 
Right. Uh, of course, the Jaguars traded for Josh Dobbs uh, from Pittsburgh today, but I do expect him to be the backup. Uh, Gardner Mission the second should be the starter heading into week two. Uh, I think there's some potential here. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, a Blake Bortles uh, back in the day. The, this offense has grown a lot. Uh, I think that he's a fine streaming option with Houston secondary, very attackable. They have a good defensive line, but as long as the Jaguars offensive line can hold up and give him time, uh, you know, I think that he could put up some numbers here. Uh, he had a very impressive performance against Kansas City. Uh, now, bear in mind that was in garbage time, but still notable that he looked very polished for his first ever NFL start for a sixth round rookie. So uh, again, uh, if you could do worse than him, uh, I don't quite have Fournette as a running back one this week, but I do still like him. Uh, I would expect, uh, you know, the main reason is I would expect that the Texans would test this rookie quarterback, stack the box a little bit to force him to win the game. Um, maybe that's another reason I kind of like him more because I do think that he'll have to be under pressure and uh, I think he might actually do well here. Uh, as you said, uh, you know, I like Westbrook the most as the safest bet at wide receiver. Uh, for me, I like Chris Conley quite a bit. Um, DJ Shark, uh, he had that big play, um, that highlight reel play, but it seems like Minshew targeted Conley a lot more after Foles left the game, showed some clear chemistry with him. Uh, certainly both are going to be boomer bust wide receiver four options, but I would probably prioritize Conley over Shark if I'm picking up a Jaguar as wide receiver this week. Uh, you're uh, you're prioritizing Shark if you had to pick one. Uh, if I had to pick one, yeah, I think I think that uh, that former Kansas City player, um, you know, uh, Sway is really playing in your mind right there. I mean, he was uh, he was a, an elite athlete before that Achilles tear. So I, I don't yeah, know. but so is DJ Shark. Well, all right, fair enough. Um, I mean, would you would you feel strongly enough to perhaps place a bet rest of season? Oh, heck no. Are you kidding <laughs> me on a Jaguars receiver? All right. No, all right. Not a chance. Uh, Jaguar, uh, the Jacksonville was run amok by the Kansas City offense. Uh, look for them to give a very emotional effort here versus Houston. The Houston line is much improved, and I'd have no worry about starting Watkins uh, Watson or Hopkins here. Um, just Jacksonville may go nuts and try and murder Deshaun Watson. Uh, this is this is an angry team. Uh, monitor the other wide receivers for their health status this week. If all are healthy, I'd expect the most from QT really on the inside. Bouye is a tough pull for Fuller outside, and Jacksonville filters and allows those underneath routes. I don't love either running back. I'd pick Duke Johnson over Carlos Hyde for the PPR upside. Houston has not historically thrown to the running back a ton, but this game tonight they are showing that they're slotting uh, uh, or putting um, Duke out wide, running him out of the backfield and completing some passes. So uh, he is looking good. Carlos Hyde actually hasn't looked awful this game tonight either, but you know, don't look for that to continue versus Jacksonville. Yeah, um, Jacksonville I'm sure will put up an emotional fight, but I think ultimately futile here. Uh, Houston's offense isn't quite as good as Kansas City's but it's still pretty dangerous here um ultimately I think the problem is that they just the offensive line that's the big issue is Deshaun Watson going to live through 2019 um and then uh, as you mentioned uh, perhaps the, the slot matchup may be best um with AJ Bouye or Boye how do you say it? do you know it's boo yay like boo yay 
All right. Um, so in that case, uh, maybe Kenny Stills, uh, Kuti hasn't, uh, is he even yeah, playing sure. tonight? I think Stills has been way more involved. Uh, yeah, it, that's a good point. If Cutie's out, then, then go to Stills. Yeah, but one of those guys may surprise um, either way. Uh, Stills just caught a really nice cut touchdown on the inside seam from uh, Deshaun Watson. Right, and I could certainly see a repeat of that. Um, by yep. the way, if if the Saints lose this game, how sad would it be on that roughing the kicker penalty? It looked like it might go to overtime. That would just be, oh, that would be a rough way to start the season after how last season ended with the uh, not called pass interference. I mean, you should just expect that to be an, a, a made extra point, though. It's ridiculous that it's not just given. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, regardless, uh, Watson gave us a little bit of a scare with that back injury in the first half. Um, hopefully he'll practice this week. Uh, just something to keep an eye on. He is still in the game and looking fine, but uh, sometimes those things can kind of swell up more overnight, right? You're the doctor yep. here. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how he practices. Uh, of course, you're starting Hopkins, even in a tough matchup. Well, uh, we saw with Kansas City that this Jags defense is tough, but certainly not infallible. I like Duke as a low on RB two, Hyde maybe a low on flex, but uh, he needs to get a little bit more involved for me to trust that start outside of deeper leagues. Fuller, uh, I like as a boomer bust wide receiver three play, uh, the most upside, uh, maybe even over Hopkins, depending on. Um, how that goes, but uh, obviously you're starting Hopkins over any of these guys. I I will take the Texans at home, but it would not shock me if there was an upset given how bad the Texans' offensive line is. Um, a lot's going to ultimately rest on how good that offensive line is and then how good the rookie Gardner Minshew is, so we will see. Yeah, I, I, I think Houston takes the win here. Um, sure, back up or just starting quarterbacks who nobody knows the name of, like Nick Mullins or anybody, they they can have success in in small pieces, but this is not a guy that I think is going to have that long of a run in the NFL. All right, Sunday afternoon games that'll kick off. Kansas City at the Oakland, I was going to say athletics, I don't really know why, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, there may be some trouble brew for Kansas City. Pat Mahomes sprained his ankle, but he should be okay here. Tyreek Hill is going to miss a few weeks, though. Um, They should be okay after Sammy Watkins showed he can still turn in a three-touchdown day if needed. He's a wide receiver, one for me, until Hill returns. Travis Kelsey was missed on a touchdown on an errant no-look Mahomes pass. Mahomes will be looking to make up for that here. Uh, Williams and McCoy split the rushes 13-10, with Williams getting more passing game work and with Mahomes looking uh, to heal. I'd expect a little more from the rushing game here. Williams is a running back one versus Oakland, and I would strongly consider McCoy in the flex here for the time being. Also with um, uh, Hill out for a little bit, I think it'd be at least worthwhile to check the uh, temperature, check the barometer in your free agency pool on the rookie Mecole Hardman. That's a name I don't know how to say. Uh, Hardman, Hardman, Mecole, Mecole, Michelle. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm sure you you know Mung, right? Oh, I we'll we'll get into Michael Hardman in uh, just a I second. I figured we would. Uh, be careful what you wish for here. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> first off, a big win for the Saints. A game-winning field goal with as time expires. Man, this this was a good game. Um, certainly better than the Thursday night game. That said, uh, back to Kansas City, uh, I think we're pretty far apart on the running backs here. I would not rank Williams anywhere near a running back one. I think he's in a clear timeshare with McCoy. Even though he's getting more work in the passing game, I could see McCoy eating into those snaps as well once he's more up to speed on the playbook. Remember, he just got there. 
uh, in general, I think McCoy's looked more explosive, explosive on his runs. Um, and I'd rank Williams as a low end RB two this week. Certainly there's oh. upside for both of these guys. Um, but again, I also don't think that this, uh, this offense will be nearly as efficient without Hill. Um, there's still going to be a great offense, but just, I wouldn't expect that five, six touchdown day. Uh, McCoy, I like as a mid range RB three with upside. Sammy Watkins becomes a top five wide receiver for me as long as Tyree kills out, uh, which sounds like it's going to be somewhere in the range of four to six weeks, uh, although it's good news that they did not put him on IR. Uh, of course, you're starting Mahomes, even though uh, with the ankle injury, that seems pretty minor. And of course, you're starting Travis Kelsey. All right. Now that we got well, all those guys who don't matter out of the way. Hold on. One more on a guys that don't matter. Will you take a bet on uh, Damian Williams as a top 20 running back since you have him as a low end two this week, this week. Um, no, I wouldn't bet because it wouldn't shock me if he was a top 10 guy this week. Okay. okay. Um, well, I just think there are safer options ahead of him. I just don't know how this timeshare is going to go quite yet. All right. All right. Now on to, uh, now onto your favorite little guy. All right. So, uh, you know, I've been talking about him a lot this offseason. For anybody who follows me on Twitter, uh, he's one of my dynasty darlings. Um, Hardman's still somewhat of a raw prospect, but he ran a 4-3-3 40-yard dash. Um, He's a tantalizing prospect. Uh, He's got a great offensive line, a great quarterback, and actually, uh, you know, per, per, ah, per pro football focus. Mahomes had the third highest depth adjusted completion percentage in 2018, um, even before refining his route running tree. Reed's offense uh, and Mahomes' deep ball accuracy can make Hardman a dangerous deep threat here um, in place of Hill. Additionally, uh, PFF noted that Hardman ranked third in yards per route run among all wide receivers in this rookie class. He averaged an impressive 8.3 yards after the catch per reception during his final season at the University of Georgia, and Mahomes also led the league in yards per attempt on screen passes last season. I have every faith in Reed's ability to create plays, scheming Hardman open in space, and then, of course, Mahomes is deadly accurate on these short passes and long passes. Hardman's going to be able to maximize that natural ability of his to create the yards after the catch, I could see him going off on Oakland, just absolute monster game. Of course, the risk is he could also play three snaps, have one catch for like 12 yards. So again, uh, you know, I love this guy, but at the same time, I am recognizing that there's plenty of risk here. I wouldn't go breaking the bank. I would definitely spend more in fab on Marquise Brown than I would on Michael Hardman this week. Um, a, a lot's going to come down to how the snaps are split behind Sammy Watkins between Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle. Um, none of these three wide receivers might end up producing consistently while Hill's out these next few weeks, but out of the three, Hardman has the most upside if he did end up emerging as the number two option behind Watson. All right, sorry, thank Watkins. you for that spirited insight. Um, <laughs> le- much less spirited on the other side of the ball because I just don't know 
what to expect from this offense right now. Oakland, uh, this could be a fun game to stream Derek Carr. Honestly, you can call me crazy, but he has a few speedy receivers and an athletic tight end in Darren Waller, and you know they're going to have to try and keep pace with Kansas City's offense. Josh Jacobs should get pretty involved in the pass game and is a good upside running back too, I think. So here's something I didn't expect is Oakland to be leading in this game. Uh, definitely not. Oh, look at that. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't hate Derek Carr this week. Uh, I think Kansas City's a, a pretty decent matchup for him, but I would like to see how things go tonight. Tyrell Williams already has a touchdown, so certainly he has that boomer bust wide receiver three availability. And then Darren Waller, um, we'll see how he's used tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Waller might have tight end two, high end tight end two potential if Carr shows a willingness to target him. And then Josh Jacobs, we'll see if he's actually a workhorse as advertised. Um, Gruden's been hyping him up all offseason. They released Doug Martin, but we've seen disappointment early already with some other rookie running backs, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. Uh, both have been splitting time. So maybe we need to temper expectations a little bit for Jacobs, depending on how. Uh, his usage shakes up in Denver tonight, or against Denver tonight. So for me, uh, Kansas City is the easy pick here, even with Mahomes' ankle sprain and Tyreek Hill being out. Yes, uh, give me Kansas City as well. Uh, Chicago at Denver. The Bears started the season flat and now run into their old defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. Uh, something tells me that... Uh, the crotchety old Fangio will know how to have Trubisky's number, and that really worries me. Uh, he's about to give the entire league a blueprint about how to dismantle our quarterback. I'm not happy about it this early in the season. Um, avoid Mitchell here. The running back split the load, five, five carries for Davis, six for Montgomery, and expect this to slowly progress through the season. Montgomery has a ton of upside, but it's not time to try and cash in on it just yet. I would keep him on the bench if able. Tariq Cohen, on the other hand, took all snaps from a wide receiver spot, and he is a sneaky, awesome PPR running back start, at least this week, in the mold of Duke Johnson two years ago. I do expect that to change as uh, Anthony Miller becomes a little healthier, hopefully not just yet. Um, Allen Robinson led wide receivers with 7 of 13 for 102, but I'd limit that expectation this week a bit in Denver. Hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head here. Vic Fangio, more than any other head coach right now, should know the ins and outs to stopping this Chicago offense. After all, he stopped it in practice daily last year. Um, I'd really fade all the Bears in Week 2 for fantasy purposes. Maybe Cohen's a low-end flex play in PPR, but uh, you know, depending on his usage. But even if he is in the slot playing in that wide receiver role, Chris Harris Jr. is going to be tough to shake. Uh, Allen Robinson, I love him uh, overall this year, but uh, for this week, just a mid-range wide receiver three, uh, I would, again, uh, I would fade him as well. Um, definitely avoiding Trubisky as well as the running backs against uh, pretty good Denver defense, even though they just allowed Derek Carr to throw a touchdown. And tonight we'll see what Denver's team looks like with Joe Flacco, uh, the superhuman healer, Emmanuel Sanders, and the second-year guys, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. I would avoid the running backs if possible against a tough Bears defense, and Sanders is a PPR flex. Uh, that's it for me. The Bears defense is still very, very stout. Uh, should be very tough for the outside receivers and the running backs. Wait, you're, you're not starting elite Joe Flacco? No, certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, me neither. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see how Broncos, uh, how the Broncos fare on offense here tonight. Uh, I'm somewhat optimistic 
optimistic about Sanders, but, uh, you know, as you said, the running backs certainly not great against one of the best rushing defenses in the league and some of the fastest linebackers with that closing speed, even on uh, those receiving plays. So I could expect a, a defensive slugfest here, like a 13 to six kind of final score. Uh, so I really wouldn't play any of those, any of these Broncos as more than a flex play. Um, and as much as I hate to see it, uh, I, I think Fangio might have a, a revenge game here. Is that even a thing for coaches? <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, wait, what would be the revenge for Fangio? He left the Bears. No, but I mean, you know, just playing their old team. Yeah, if anything, if anything, the Bears deserve revenge on this jerk Fangio who left this amazing city for some crap hole on top of a mountain. Chicago will have its revenge. Chicago will eat Joe Flacco alive behind two forced fumbles, three interceptions, and Bears will win this game 35-3. to I hope you're right, but I think uh, the Broncos take this like 13 to six. So no, we'll we'll see. No. Hopefully, I, I you know, like I said, I hope that you win this one this week. Thank you. New Orleans at the Rams. Uh, no real surprises to expect for the Saints. I try to avoid Breeze versus the Rams. They're a pretty good defense. Uh, Michael Thomas is obviously a start as well as Kamara. Jared Cook is the anomaly, always playing great in bad matchups and disappearing in the best matchups. The wild card here is Latavius Murray. Um, a lot of weeks I'll like him this week versus the Rams. I would probably veer towards avoiding him. He had a really nice 30 yard uh, touchdown run here. Some weeks he may have high end uh, running back two sort of numbers, but right here, I would not even start him in the flex. Uh, I would start him in the flex. Uh, I wouldn't expect a huge game, but I think he's flex worthy still. Um, the new Orleans offensive line is good enough to limit uh, the impact of Aaron Donald uh, and the Rams defense a, a little bit at least. Uh, and then I would play Breeze against the Rams, even on the road. I'm on the other side here. Uh, I think this will be somewhat of a shootout like the last time these two teams met in 2018. Um, even though Breeze will be outdoors away uh, from the Superdome, I like him quite a bit. Uh, the Saints line here, um, again, is the, the biggest differentiating factor for me. And then... You know, Thomas, of course, top five wide receiver. Uh, Jared Cook, I like as a high-end tight end two, maybe even a low-end tight end one. And then we saw that both Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith could boom here. Uh, I like them both as wide receiver fours if you're desperate. Um, and Kamara, of course, you're starting as a mid-range running back one. All right. Uh, the Rams took out the Panthers on the road, and now we get the rematch of last year's controversial NFC title match. Expect some big-time uh, offense to be attempted here. Goff has been better at home, and I still expect solid quarterback one production here. Fire up your wide receivers. Woods led the team 8 of 13 for 70, Cup wet 7 of 10 for 46, and Cooks only 2 of 6 for 39. But as we know, he's the most boom-bust. We've said that way too many times this show. We need another term. And as our listeners who trust me, no, Woods is the wide receiver one on that team. Start them all, though. We have a bonafide committee in the backfield, though. Todd Gurley turning in 14 carries, 97 yards. A nice day, but frustrating for Gurley owners who had to see Malcolm Brown 
pardon me, go 11 for 53 and two touchdowns. I think we will continue to see this. It's very difficult to recommend starting Brown, and I'm leading against it this week, of course. Uh, Gurley is a back-end running back one, trending towards running back two, but the team will limit him in preparation for what they see as their Super Bowl run, and he's a heck of a lot more important in the real playoffs than your fantasy playoffs. I'm sorry that's the case. Yeah, that's uh, that's tough. I um, I, I guess you win some, you lose some. I avoided Todd Gurley and and Antonio Brown in all my drafts this year, and it looks like one might work out and one might not. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the Saints uh, they're much better at stopping the run than the pass. We saw Deshaun Watson and the Texans' offense have some success tonight. Uh, I still like Goff as a low end QB one here. Um, the wide receivers, all of them, should be fine. As you said, Cooks is probably the most. Uh, High variance, I guess. There we go. I like it. <laughs> um, so certainly uh, probably the lowest floor, but the highest ceiling of those. But at, at the same time, uh, maybe maybe not even the highest ceiling. We've seen Woods and Cup have some big games as well. So um, Yeah, I think you're right. I, I honestly think, despite the draft value, Cup is probably the wide receiver three from a fantasy standpoint, at least. I think once healthy... I would put him at two over Cooks. I am com- so? I am coming around on Wait, your Robert Woods Cooks. wide no, receiver I said, one. I said, oh, I meant to say Cooks is the three. Right. You just said you'd put him over Cooks. I said so. It, I so I thought I misspoke. No, no, no. So it, uh, all right, let's clarify. Uh, let's clarify here. If healthy, I would rank them Cup Woods Cooks. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I still like Woods as the one, but Cup, I mean, Cup could lead the league in touchdowns any given season. Right. Uh, Like I said, right now, I am coming around on your view that Woods is the one uh, with Cup still kind of recovering from the ACL. Um, But anyway, you're starting all these guys. Yeah, exactly. I I see what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Right. Um, You know, the big question was Gurley's usage. I know we had some conversations off air. Uh, about Gurley and you were very down on him and so far uh, you know it's too early for the victory laps after one week but so far uh, it seems like your words of caution should be heeded with the two vulture touchdowns I wouldn't panic about Gurley but I do think he's going to be a bit more touchdown dependent especially if he's not as heavily involved in the red zone or in the passing game Uh, certainly you'd like to see him uh, catch a few more passes in PPR as of right now, I would actually treat it a little bit like Alvin Kamara uh, and Latavius Murray. I would say that Gurley's a back-end running back one and Malcolm Brown is a running back three or flex play. Um, what are your thoughts on that comparison? Yeah, I think it's a pretty astute comparison, honestly. Um, I I can't start Brown just yet. I want to see it another week or another two weeks at the very least. Uh, essentially, any girly owners, they really just need to start praying for the Rams to start losing games because they will not overuse Todd Gurley. And it's a shame that, you know, right now in his situation, his fantasy value is in direct um, opposition to his real life in football game value. Uh, but that's just sort of the situation right now. And unless the Rams start losing a, a quick clip of games, there's going to be no reason for them to be using Gurley that much. Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, as for the real life outcome here, I think this will be a somewhat high scoring game. And I think that uh, the Saints will come into town with that revenge game narrative after getting kind of screwed over with that non-call in the playoffs. But I think ultimately they're going to go home empty. I think the Rams are going to take this. And I could see this biting the Saints later down down the road uh, if if the NFC has to go through L.A. The Rams will live in, or win in the fourth quarter as the first team to successfully challenge uh, defensive pass interference, getting first and 10 <laughs> on the six-yard line and running it in with Malcolm Brown. That would that would be a, a twist of fate so ironic that I just <laughs> I, diabolical, I, isn't it? I would I would be very amused and I would feel bad for Saints fans, but also not really. Right. All right. Uh, Sunday night football, Philadelphia and Atlanta. The Eagles took a while to get going this week, but their offense should be fine in Atlanta. Once had three touchdowns and will be a fine quarterback one play. Ertz had a down game, 5 of 7 for 57, of course, down by his standards. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had an awesome game, 8 catches, 10 targets, 154 yards, and 2 deep, deep touchdowns. And Elshon Jeffrey was great, too, 5 of 6, 49 yards and a touchdown. I like both in the flex here, at least. Elshon should provide a better floor. Deshaun Jackson will have a very, very nice ceiling with a little bit lower floor, and I think that'll be true most of the season. Um Honestly, if he can stay on the field and stay healthy, his target share should be there. Uh, he could put out, he could put up four points, or he could put up thirty. That's just sort of a DJX thing. The running back situation is murky, though. For now, a three-way dance between Jordan Howard, six carries, forty-four yards, two catches; Miles Sanders, eleven carries, twenty-five yards, and one catch; and Darren Sproles, nine carries, forty-seven yards, and three catches. None of these lines are going to make you happy. None of these lines are going to win your weeks for you. And sure, you could strike gold starting Sanders. He's the only one that I would even attempt starting, uh, but I would do my best to avoid it as long as the other two veterans are in the mix. Uh, I would not start any in favor of a wide receiver, uh, either Deshaun Jackson or another team's uh, wide receiver in the flex this week. Right, so a, a lot to break down here. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, the fact that all roads kind of lead to Wentz. So regardless of what's happening on this offense, he's going to be a great fantasy quarterback as long as he stays healthy. Mm -hmm. um, again, Ertz, uh, quote-unquote down game by his standard, but he's still a mid-range tight end one. I think we can make the argument that with all these offensive options, he's not in the same elite tier anymore as Kelsey and Kittle. I think that was discussed a lot this preseason, but, uh, you know, uh, in a lot of places, but I think that is coming true. Um, but certainly you're not unhappy with five for seven. Uh, you could have gotten zero catches like Kyle Rudolph. So uh, of the wide receivers, uh, Deshaun Jackson is another guy we talked on our undervalued portion of our preseason show. Um, we discussed that he's got the same boomer bust upside as Amari Cooper, but going nine rounds later. And actually, I don't know that he'll be as boom or bust this year. Um, he actually played a lot of his snaps almost half the time he was on the field. Jackson was in the slot. So I think he's going to be used in a variety of ways, not just deep, although that certainly boosts his upside. I think he's a low on wide receiver too right now with a huge potential. Um, I think Alshon too, uh, still good. Uh, he's going to be a wide receiver three, but he's clearly taken a back seat to Jackson in this offense. Uh, the running back situation too, uh, as you said, murky. Um, 
the the one thing though the box score will not tell you miles sanders did have a very nice touchdown run called back by penalty i do think that eventually during the season over the course of these games the next few weeks he will get more and more involved in the offense we saw more jordan howard once they took the lead in the third fourth quarter um so maybe this is a, a buy opportunity for sanders but again i would not expect running back one numbers this year as for the Atlanta side of the football, they did get off to a shaky start, only scoring 12 points on Minnesota. But Matt Ryan started slow last year and then finished a top-five quarterback. Uh, I expect this offense to be fine against Philadelphia. Ryan's a quarterback one against the secondary that made Case Keenum look good this last week. Uh, Devontae Freeman is a high-end running back two in an offense that will always frustratingly use Ito Smith in spots where you do- just don't want to see him. I'm not overly worried about the uh, the production that he put up this past week. Julio did log 11 targets, six catches, and a touchdown despite only a 30-yard day, but he has potential to be the overall wide receiver one this week, I think. I didn't understand uh, how early Calvin Ridley was going in drafts. Don't get me wrong. I like him, but he's just a flex for me and really not that far ahead of Mohamed Sanu. Uh, their splits this week were four, for, four of six for 64 and a touchdown to five of six for 57. Austin Hooper hauled in nine passes, and it may just be time to start believing that he's a consistent enough high floor back end tight end one every week now. Yeah, I like Austin Hooper a lot. Um, I do agree that he's a high floor back end tight end one, and he even has upside. As for the wide receivers here, uh, I, I like Calvin Ridley. He scored a touchdown, and none of the other wide receivers did. I, I know that Julio Jones Julio saw, did. Oh, I'm sorry. He scored late, right? Yeah, they both scored in the fourth. Correct. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just so used to saying that Julio Jones didn't score a touchdown because, you know, he doesn't <laughs> score touchdowns. But Oh, my God. He's <laughs> scored touchdowns like every week for the past 10 weeks of football. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just trolling. Uh, Julio's still great. Um, certainly uh, a much better matchup uh, this week against the Eagles. Uh, but I, I think that Julio Jones is going to have a big week, as will Matt Ryan. I, as you said, I, I do think he started slow last year. I think he was like the quarterback 20 or something after week one. Um, but regardless... Yeah, I, I actually dropped him, so oops. Oh, oops, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Did I tell you not to do that on the show? Because that sounds like something I would have done. No, you didn't. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I would have if I had if you'd asked me but you know yeah um yeah but you know i I love julio in this matchup i love matt ryan again as you said uh much like uh, the andy dalton looking good week one case keenum looked great so i can only imagine how well matt ryan will do um calvin ridley though i think i do like more than you i see him as an upside wide receiver three play he'll be a little bit boomer bust but he's a dynamic guy it's only a matter of time before he gets a bigger target share than muhammad sanu um, I, I, again, I just like him more than you. And on the flip side, I think I like Devonte Freeman less than you. Uh, it was clearly a timeshare between him and Edo Smith. I think that they've realized that Freeman just has trouble staying healthy and hopefully he'll get back to that workhorse usage, but I'm not sure that it's going to happen this year. All right. Uh, I will take Atlanta at home this week. Um, in the battle of these birdies. It, you know, this is a really tough one for me, especially in yeah, prime it was time. a tough one. Uh, I you know I think I'm gonna go with the narrative that uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles are just destined for greatness this year. Uh, they just they're such a good team. Uh, very few weaknesses. Uh, again, very close call, but I'll go with the Eagles even on the road. 
some eager eagles for you. Monday night football, Cleveland at the New York Jets. Cleveland did not start their Super Bowl bid off the way they wanted to with a loss to the Titans. Uh, I'll give them a mulligan here. Mayfield should have a fine week despite three interceptions in Tennessee. Chubb only seeded one carry uh, to uh, to Hilliard despite that carry being for a four-yard touchdown. And he tacked on three catches. OBJ had a fine 7 of 11 for 71-yard day. You'd like to see a touchdown, but you're not sitting him. And Jarvis Landry converted 4 of 7 for 67. Should be a solid flex option here. Uh, the points will come for this team. Just be patient. Oh, Odell Beckham's going to have a great, great week. I think he was limited because he had that really heavy watch that's worth like $200,000 uh, this week. Uh, so once he takes that <laughs> off, he's going to be so much faster. It's going to be like taking <laughs> off that weight. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, I think Beckham's going to be fine. He's a wide receiver one. Um, it was a slow start for this Browns offense. Um, shout out to my buddy Roger who posted on his Instagram story, just him drinking a beer, sadly saying same old Brown, something like that. Uh, I, I think they were just overhyped. I still think the Browns are going to be good this year. Um, again, it'll be a somewhat tough matchup against the Jets, but I do think that they'll win this game. Uh, you know, Mayfield should still be a low-end QB1. Uh, Landry, uh, you know, despite Beckham in town, he's still a wide receiver three flex option here. Um, and Chubb, I like uh, not as a running back one, but I do like him as a mid-range running back two. Uh, we'll see uh, if, if he gets vultured again. Hopefully not. The Jets lost a close one versus Buffalo with not much offense to show for it, really. 17 carries uh, for 60 yards with six catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown for Le'Veon Bell, who will be a running back one in this offense. Robbie Anderson went three of seven for 23. And the highly undrafted Jamison Crowder turned in 14 catches on 17 targets, 99 yards. That is not a misprint, folks. He is a PPR monster if this continues anywhere close to that pace. A must-own for now in all PPR leagues and a solid bet for good production this week against the tough Cleveland pass rush who will keep Darnold on his toes here, at least for the next couple of weeks until Chris Herndon comes back. Yeah, I, I think, you know, until until um, Jameson Crowder gets hurt, there's a good chance that he could be Jarvis Landry light. Sure. Uh, just, man, like, I don't know that anyone could have seen this kind of stat line coming. Um, you know, we, we're not going to talk about him on the waiver wire section because he's owned in the majority of leagues. But uh, if, if he's out there, certainly uh, must add. Man, I just... But outside of him, uh, him and Le'Veon Bell, of course. Le'Veon Bell and Christian McCaffrey were the only two running backs who played every single snap for their team on offense in week wow. one. Um, so much for that time Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, and uh, so Le'Veon Bell, um, I like him as a back-end running back one. Uh, this Cleveland defensive line is tough, but we saw that as long as he gets involved in the passing game, he could certainly have a, a long screen touchdown like Derrick Henry did, so the upside is there. Um, Crowder, uh, going to be amazing this game probably. But uh, just watch Adam Gase in, inexplicably just not use Crowder at all. <laughs> uh, that that's shock that's me what he either. does. Um, and then Robbie Anderson, uh, he was still dealing with that calf injury, and he had to face up against Tredavious White, a very good cornerback. Um, I think this will be uh, better days for him, but he's still just a boomer bust wide receiver three. Um, I, I do like him in this game, but I just don't know how uh, how well that calf has recovered. 
Um, so still a bit of a risky play here. And just someone to keep in mind, Chris Herndon. He's coming back uh, in week, I believe it's week six because the Jets have their bye week five. Is that right? I um, think so. Yeah, So, but he's someone to keep on your watch list. Uh, he's not a waiver wire ad just yet. Um, but it sounds like they could use a little bit more of playmakers, uh, and Herndon certainly had that chemistry with Darnold last year, so I like him quite a bit once he returns. Uh, I like Cleveland to take this game on the road. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the angry Browns fan who burned all of his Browns gear after week one uh, might might regret it after a, a decent win on the road this week. Oh, th- nobody burns jerseys and gear like they do in Cleveland. That's They make a living off of that crap. That's what keeps <laughs> these people going every day. Yeah, and you know what? What I don't get at all is why they burn it on their lawns. You know, burn it on your drive. Burn it on <laughs> burn your it driveway. On else's lawn. Or you know, on your driveway where it's not going to create a black hole of burnt grass for the next year. Yeah. Well, nobody. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I mean, to be fair, neither you nor I uh, are Browns fans, so we can't uh, you know, we can't really relate to that level of sadness. Um, no, fair enough. So uh, I, I won't judge. Um, let's let's move on to the injuries here, uh, starting with quarterbacks. Uh, Nick Foles, broken collarbone, likely out six to eight weeks, maybe more. Even upon his return, it's not out of the question that he could lose his starting job if Gardner Minshew plays well. Uh, he's droppable in most one-quarterback formats. Patrick Mahomes, ankle sprain, that sounds fairly minor. He was able to finish the game, but just keep an eye on that practice participation. Uh, he should be good for week two, but again, something to monitor. And then Baker Mayfield, too. He had that wrist injury on his throwing arm, but the x-rays were negative. Um, again, those are the early reports are he's fine for week two, but uh, still something to monitor, especially on the throwing arm. As for the running backs, Joe Mixon sprained his ankle, uh, reported to be day-to-day, so must be a little bit worse than Pat Mahomes, although he's a running back, so he's you know using a lot more heavy duty. Uh, be on the lookout for updates. Sounds like he will be questionable and possibly a game-time decision for week two. We will talk about Geo in the coming section. Darius Geist with a knee injury. Uh, we're not entirely sure what happened here just yet, but a lot of players come back from ACL injuries often suffer compensatory injuries. Um, luckily, his MRI results were... Um, well, no, that's that's incorrect. His MRI results were positive, which is a bad thing, and it was actually for what's supposed to be his good, so his other knee. Uh, we just have to sort of see what happens here. Um, and then the San Francisco backfield. Um, I don't know what is wrong with uh, this backfield. None of these guys can stay healthy. McKinnon's done. Coleman had a high ankle sprain this week. He's definitely out this week, but will not go on the IR. Um, he will likely be out two to three weeks. So have a plan at running back if you were starting him. Overall, this is pretty good news, though. Uh, Matt Burita had a concussion in the game, but it sounds like it, uh, it was just dehydration. So who knows what the truth of that is. These coaches do tend to uh, mess around with these brain injury, head concussion sort of things to try and duck away from concussion protocols and stuff. So he should be able to play this week, too, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, so just to clarify, um, I did see a report that uh, it wasn't bad. Um, It sounds like Hmm. there are other reports that he might uh, have a meniscus injury and might miss a few weeks. But I did also see a report from Tom Pellicero uh, that uh, he might be able to play week two and that 
the MRI was indeed positive as in good results. So oh, uh, I don't know, something to monitor. Uh, clearly, this is kind of a murky situation, but uh, be prepared uh, regardless if you own Geis or Peterson or Thompson. You know, I really worry about whatever's going on medically in Washington with both Geis and uh, and Alex Smith having such bad um, complications from their injuries and their surgeries. So I don't know. It may just be time to, to sell Geis off whenever, wherever you have him. Yeah, I mean, even Trent Williams. I mean, the main reason for his holdout is that he just thinks the team is terrible at managing this yeah. stuff and, you know, not looking out for the players' best interests. So definitely something to monitor. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver injuries here. Tyree Kill sure. with that SC joint dislocation on his shoulder. Um, while no surgery was required to put it back in place, it does sound like he's going to be out somewhere in the range of four to six weeks. Uh, obviously, don't drop him, but you're going to need a plan at wide receiver while he's out. <coughs> Michael Hardman. <coughs> um, <laughs> oh, are you okay there? Yeah, sorry. I had a little something in my throat. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Juju Smith-Schuster with that toe injury late in the blowout game, uh, likely not turf toe, uh, didn't seem to be concerned about after the game and should be fine for week two, but just something worth keeping an eye on this week. Sterling Shepard, uh, in concussion protocol, uh, again, uh, for the start of the season, we'll repeat this, um, but we won't, uh, going forward, just, it takes different players, different amounts of time to recover from concussions, so, uh, only thing you can really do is monitor the practice status and then the stages of them going through concussion protocol. So as of right now, he's just questionable, really no idea. Um, Mike Williams, another uh, situation that we don't really know too much about, so a knee injury of some kind. Um, we're not sure how severe it is, but certainly uh, he was not able to come back for overtime in a close game, so it's probably not nothing or else he would have tried to come back. Devin Funchess, broken collarbone out six to eight weeks, much like Nick Foles, but he wasn't super relevant in fantasy outside of deep leagues anyway. Uh, he's droppable in most formats. And then just keeping an eye on checking in on AJ Green. Uh, this is not a new injury, but remember that he hurt his ankle a couple months ago, had surgery on it. Um, just notable that he's still in a walking boot uh, on the sidelines week one, so probably still at least two, three, four weeks away from returning Hopefully, if you drafted green in the middle or later rounds, uh, you grabbed a viable starter at wide receiver in the meantime. And if not, uh, if you own Hill or Shepard or green, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of wide re wide receiver waiver wire options in just a second. As for tight ends, there were no notable injuries at tight ends this week. Phew, we got off easy for now. For now, let's not jinx it. Right. All right, kicking off the waiver wire ads then. Uh, at quarterback first, Josh Allen. Only 21% rostered in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Again, I'm just shocked at how low these ownership rates are. He's a high floor, high ceiling QB2 due to his rushing upside. Um, we made that comparison to Cam Newton during the matchup preview. And even despite the turnovers, he scored a, a nice fantasy day. Uh, you know, one of the interceptions was Cole Beasley's fault. And if he can cut down on the fumbles, huge upside against the Giants in week two. Another guy here, Andy Dalton, 4% owned in ESPN, 10% in Yahoo. Ugh, I feel dirty. I feel like every season early on, we recommend <laughs> Dalton, you know, uh, until he's predictably awful. But maybe with Marvin Lewis gone, uh, maybe he can finally turn the page. Uh, a brand new dawn for Cincinnati Bengals fans. 
Uh, the fact is that this Bengals offense looks competent. And even though the Niners made Jameis Winston look like Blake Bortles, their defense is not that good. Uh, Dalton may not throw for 400 yards again, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if he did. Uh, he's a high-end quarterback, too, at home. And then Gardner Minshew the second, 0% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo. Uh, again, let's not get too excited about a rookie quarterback who put up stats in garbage time, but let's also not write off a really good debut for the sixth-round rookie. Uh, going to Houston is going to be a tough matchup, but if you don't have better options, the Texans' secondary still has plenty of holes despite a strong pass rush. So if Minshew has time, he could complete some deep throws for some touchdowns to Shark and Conley and Westbrook, and he does have some rushing upside. All right, as for running backs, uh, a lot of guys to talk about here. Malcolm Brown, 7% owned in ESPN, 13% Yahoo. The usage for Gurley is troubling given his draft cost. Even more worrisome than the split are the spots where they plugged in Malcolm Brown. High leverage snaps resulting in two touchdowns. I can't say to start him yet, but he is the handcuff. And once we get a better feel, he may have some real standalone value in sooner rather than later. Justin Jackson, 40% owned in ESPN, 42% owned in Yahoo, probably driven a little higher ownership value or ownership numbers because of the unsurety in the preseason of the uh, work split. The split is about 70-30 in Eckler's favor. If Eckler were to go down, Jackson is the next man up, and this is an offense that will always be worth starting the running back. That said, with the success Ellie is looking to have here, it may be sooner rather than later than Melvin Gordon tucks his tail and rejoins the team. Ronald Jones, 41% owned in ESPN, 28% Yahoo. The backfield is ugly. There's no mistake about that. But Ronald Jones is the most dynamic back on this team for now. And he's led the backfield in carries week one. He will continue to seed passing down work to Ugmanwale. But he looks like he will be lapping Peyton Barber as he should have last season. Giovanni Bernard, 32% owned in ESPN, 14% Yahoo. Mixon's injury seems to be less worrisome than feared, but he will likely be missing at least a week. <clears throat> Couple that with this new-look offense with a new coach that may put up some points here and some solid receiving chops, and Gio Bernard may be a reasonably good play again in 2019, at least for this week. Uh, the Washington backfield, Chris Thompson, 19% in ESPN, 13% Yahoo, and Adrian Peterson, 28% ESPN, 38% Yahoo. Darius Geis is looking like he may end up back off the field with continued injury concerns. AP may end up back on the field and angrily auditioning for a new team here. If he gets the start, he should have weekly flex value. The real gem, though, in my opinion, is Chris Thompson, who will probably see 10 targets for as long as he stays healthy. And we know he has a long-storied injury history himself, so get him while you can. Raheem Mostert, 0% in ESPN, 1% Yahoo. Or should I call him Raheem must start when active. Breida had another concussion, maybe. Coleman has a high ankle sprain, and Mostert's games last year are the precise reason that Coleman and Breida were coveted targets in this year's drafts. Whoever starts at running back for the for San Francisco does have running back one upside due to pass game usage and typically good offensive production for Shanahan's offense, although that may not be the uh, case this year. Come on, they can't possibly look that bad week to week, right? And then finally, Tony Pollard, 51% ESPN, 40% Yahoo. Jalen Samuels, 34 in ESPN, 41 in Yahoo. And Gus Edwards, just 3% across the board. Now, these guys are not must-holds depending on how many teams and best spots your leagues have, but these are the high upside handcuffs in 
if Elliott, Connor, or Ingram were to miss some time here. Uh, the most standalone value right now this coming week is probably Gus Edwards, who versus Miami will, I'm sorry, versus um, Arizona, I think will probably be able to put up about 9, 10 points in garbage time this week. So we'll see. Yeah, that's certainly not out of the question. Um, and then just to clarify, um, for me, Raheem Mostert isn't a super high priority ad. Um, just uh, from the reports, it sounds like Breda was evaluated for concussion, um, but ultimately it was dehydration. <laughs> so uh, I, we'll I, see. That doesn't even make sense, though. Yeah, I don't know. That's just what I've been told uh, via Twitter. So um, Mostert, I, I still think Breda is likely active. Excuse me, active this week. So I would not go out and spend too much on Mostert. Um, but of course, if Breda were to miss time with either a concussion or anything else that, you know, he, he suffered through what, like eight different ankle injuries last year. So certainly possible that Mostert will be the last man standing at some point. Um, wide receivers. We talked a lot about John Brown already. 35% owned in ESPN, 50% owned in Yahoo. Uh, I'm guessing that's going to be like 95 plus after this week. Uh, we've talked about it enough, uh, how undervalued he is, should be owned in all leagues as a wide receiver three with wide receiver one upside. Uh, Marquise Brown, I know I like him a little bit more than you do, Los, but 28% owned in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Either way, these are way too low. Um, we've discussed him a lot of, uh, already earlier as well um, in that matchup preview, but he should be another priority add on the chance that he keeps up this hot streak against a bad Arizona defense. John Ross, 5% owned in ESPN, 10% owned in Yahoo. With A.J. Green out, Ross is taking advantage of this opportunity, and he's always had that speed, uh, just wasn't able to stay healthy. So as long as he's on the field, Dalton seems to have some chemistry with him particularly deep. D.K. Metcalf, 64% owned in ESPN, but just 38% owned in Yahoo. Russell Wilson showed that willingness and ability to target Metcalf on those tight window throws. And if Metcalf becomes close to an every-down wide receiver starter as a rookie, even in a run-heavy Seattle offense, he could return wide receiver 3 value, maybe even wide receiver 2 upside. Mikkel Hardman, 17% owned in ESPN, 15% in Yahoo. Look, I've talked about uh, Hardman enough tonight, so I won't make you guys suffer through that again. But while he might not do anything and split snaps with Robinson and Pringle while Hill's out, He's got wide receiver one potential if he were to secure that number two wide receiver spot behind Watkins. And then finally, uh, we've got Chris Conley and DJ Shark. Conley's 9% owned in ESPN, 1% owned in Yahoo. Shark is 12% owned in ESPN, 2% Yahoo. Both of these guys worth a look if Gardner Minshew can be competent as a passer. Uh, he showed that capability in week one. And then, of course, Shark had that highlight reel play, but Conley seemed to have more chemistry. And then another couple guys who uh, you might throw a couple bucks on at the end, Terry McLaurin, 7% owned in ESPN, 5% owned in Yahoo, and A.J. Brown, 5% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo. Both of these rookie wide receivers are on bad offenses but seem to be the number one option. Um, Corey Davis uh, and Delaney Walker should still be heavily involved, though, in Tennessee, so McLaurin probably has a greater opportunity to secure a decent floor in terms of target share. All right, that'll take us over to tight end. 
Um, Darren Waller, 27% owned at ESPN, 42% owned in Yahoo. We'll see how he does tonight. So far, so good. Four catches, 49 yards. With Antonio Brown gone, there are a lot of targets to go around. Waller is an athletic tight end who can rack up catches over the middle as a check down for Derek Carr. And I really wish I bought in on him sooner because he is my George Kittle pick for this year. Jimmy Graham, 48% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. It's only been one game, but there's already some TD touchdown regression for Jimmy Graham from 2018. He's still just a boomer bust tight end two right now, but it's possible he'll be a little more involved in this offense with Randall Cobb going. And CJ Uzuma, near near uh, near universally unowned. Both Uzuma and Eifert were involved in week one, but Eifert looks like a shell of his former self after all these injuries. Uh, neither is fantasy relevant right now. But Uzuma could become a viable tight end one streamer if Eifert were to miss some time. Worth an adding deeper leagues, or at least adding to your watch list. Click the little star. Yeah, and just a, a real quick addition to the tight end here. Um, we're seeing a little bit of Foster Moreau, the, the rookie tight end in Oakland right now. Um, I know Darren Waller has gotten all the hype, but he's had two catches for 20 yards, and he looks pretty good. Uh, and just a reminder that the reason Waller's kicked around, been kicked around the league for so much is because he's had recurring substance abuse violations, uh, a la Josh Gordon. So if Waller were to miss time, whether injury or suspension, uh, Moreau would be an interesting name. All right. All right. Why then, don't you just go rain on my parade? Then no problem there. <laughs> hey, I like Waller as much too, but there's a reason that uh, you know he's in his third or fourth year and uh, no one's really you know seen much of him just yet. Yeah, the reason is because he was waiting for a good coach to, to rein the horse in, and that's what John Gruden does. He grinds him, turns him into a stud. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, certainly, if he, if he stays on the field, he's got a lot of upside. Um, the defense is real quick. We've got Tennessee at 40% owned on ESPN, 8% owned in Yahoo. Uh, a lot of the Titans' success against Mayfield was due to a crumbling offensive line in Cleveland, but... Even though uh, the, the Colts better, uh, the Colts line is better. Uh, Tennessee's defense is still legit. I wouldn't expect another pick six and safety from them, but there should be plenty of blitzes and sacks coming Jacoby Brissett's way this week. And then the Buffalo defense we talked a little bit about: ninety-one percent owned on ESPN, but just forty-five percent owned on Yahoo. Uh, this is kind of a weird situation where clearly uh, one. Uh, one format, the ESPN players are on the Bills hype train, but the Yahoo players aren't uh, yet. But Buffalo might have a hard time shutting down Saquon Barkley. But unless the Giants are set up in great field position by turnovers from Josh Allen, I would expect a somewhat low-scoring game with a lot of pressure on Eli. All right. And as for some kickers, Matt Bryant, 40% owned in ESPN, 24 in Yahoo. Atlanta was awful. Got shut down in Minnesota week one. But they should fare much better at home against Philadelphia defense that made Case Keenum look like Lamar Jackson for much of the game. Expect more, expect more scoring opportunities for Bryant in this week's matchup. It's too early to dump him after just one week. And Chris Boswell, 5% in ESPN, 10 in Yahoo. Much like Bryant, Boswell's terrible week one performance was a result of New England's stout defense shutting down Big Ben and company. Seattle comes to town after allowing Andy Dalton to throw for over 400 yards against them last week. I'd expect this Pittsburgh offense to rebound and Boswell along with it in week two. By the way, if you started Adam Vinatieri in week one, I'd personally drop him. He missed two field goals and an extra point versus the Chargers. Maybe it was a fluke week but maybe he's just losing his mojo at 46 years old. Either way, why gamble on him when the upside is gone with luck retired anyways? I'd let somebody else roll the dice on him week two. 
as would I. Uh, that concludes our waiver wire section. Um, you know, a lot of potential gems here and a lot of potential fool's gold. But, uh, you know, depending on who's in the who's at the end of your bench, uh, why would you roster a guy like Peyton Barber whose upside is nothing when you could have a guy like, uh, let's say, Mikkel Harmon, who could be nothing <laughs> or could be a top five wide receiver? Um, no, for real though, uh, you know, all these guys that we discussed, particularly Brown, Marquise and John, uh, you know, a lot of these guys have huge upside and that's what we want in fantasy, right? We want guys who could win you a week, not guys who could maybe give you 10 points in the flex spot. Yes, sir. So, you know, whether you, uh, started undefeated after week one, uh, like Los or whether you're own five, like me, uh, there's a lot of season, a lot of games left to be played uh don't panic uh if you're not doing so hot and don't celebrate too soon if you're one and oh so uh los uh, tell them where they can listen to this podcast well you can find us because we're available on itunes google play stitcher and soundcloud whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device don't forget to click subscribe and you will have immediate downloads to your phone to your computer to your mobile device Tuesday mornings, typically. Sometimes Monday nights. Heck, if we're going crazy. Who knows? And you can also find us on the Twitter, at FFA underscore Mung. Send him your, your questions, comments, concerns. He posts a lot of great stuff on his Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. And Dan the Man Green, our producer, at FFA underscore Dan. He is the man. He makes this all happen. I really don't know where we'd be without him. Indeed, and I don't know where it would be without Mikkel Hardman. So uh, <laughs> going oh into gosh. week, <laughs> I'm just trying to see how many times I can say his name tonight. Uh, what are we at, like six, seven? Yeah, don't don't make it too hard, man. Come on. All right, well, uh, you know, best of luck to everybody in week two. Uh, we'll catch you next week, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.